white people and their love for the black struggle and the black criminal. Mm. That's that yeah. helps to sell these it's things. It's a fetish. It's, yeah. And that's and that's why all these because I've seen it. All these white journalists are just so in into heady and true. Oh my god, it's such a fascinating genre, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Let The Stands. You're here today with your host Eads McKenzie and Nicholas Terrell and Shopper. And it is episode 10 of season 5. We're almost at the end of the season but we still got a few more people to talk to. We still got a few more interviews but it's been a very interesting episode. How is everyone doing? Um, I'm good. Yeah, it's been like a fairly average week. So I'm okay. How are you guys? Shopper, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Um, I guess for me, I am trying to avoid the news at the moment. I'm trying to just focus on what I can because I know um, everyone's quite anxious. You can kind of feel it in the air. Um, just to remind people, we record on Saturdays. So if there's any news you're hearing about when you hear this on Tuesday, um, we haven't heard anything yet. And there's lots of speculation and conversations in the air at the moment. So kind of feeding off that energy and trying to stay positive amongst what feels like a coming storm um but yeah i'm looking forward to the rest of the day and <clears throat> just going to take it easy really i'm excited to talk about the music that i've been listening to and some of these topics i'm fairly interested about um because i've seen a lot of conversation about them um but yeah what we'll do is we'll get straight into the episode so shoppe do your thing right so we're gonna go into the listens now and um i have I have two and a half. Well, actually, I guess three, but I'm not going to go too much on the third one. But um, first and foremost, I'm going to take it to the UK. I'm going to take it to a throwback, an MTV bass kind of moment. So um, I randomly, actually not randomly, because of something work-related, I rediscovered a song that I loved from my childhood by Lisa Mafia, who, for those who, maybe who the, so those who aren't in the UK, she was a member she was the only female member of So Solo Crew. So throwback, throwback. But anyway, she had a solo album back in 2003. And there was a song on there that I used to see a lot on television growing up called In Love. And I hadn't heard the song in a very long time. I just went on YouTube and I was like, oh my God, wow, I used to love off this song. And yeah, I just got really good vibes, just good nostalgic vibes. And just kind of like, you know, well, I've always said that how we really do have like a, a real history of like R&B hit over here that isn't mm. really discussed and spoken about. And it was, it was a top 20 hit at the time, so it did um, reasonably well, but it's not a song that I've really seen be discussed or spoken about in the years since. But shout out to Smooth Fuego when I tweeted on the account, he was the only one that um, reacted with it because I feel like none of you others had heard of it or maybe didn't see the tweet. But um, anyway, I was, I've, been, I was playing, I've been playing that song a lot this week and it was a really, it was a really, just a really good song. And it's just, you know, you know, when life was simple, you know, eight year old me, you know, in primary school, uh, no bills to pay. Yeah. Um, no emotional weirdness mm. and stuff like that. So yeah, I just was like, yeah, 
Lisa Mafia and In Love, a really great song. And for those of you who are in the UK and haven't heard that song, please go on YouTube or Spotify or whatever. It's a great song. And and her album, actually. I can't remember what her album was called, but I do remember her album actually was not that bad either. But um, yes, then secondly, we are going into Ty Dollar Sign featuring Ty Dollar Sign. Um, so I believe this is his third album. I thought it was his fourth album because I, I thought Campaign was an album, but I realized it's actually a mixtape, but hey-ho, whatever. So this is his first album in three years after Beach House 3 or Beach House 2. I don't remember, but... Um, so I'm a massive Ty Dolla Sign fan. Massive Ty Dolla Sign fan. And my story with him is interesting because I think when like he was doing well with Orna and all that, I just thought, oh, this is another standard R&B guy. He's not really got any substance or anything. And then a former friend of mine played me his sign language mixtape and then i realized oh so this guy's actually got okay this guy's actually got real talent this guy can actually sing and this guy's actually got great songs because i do think that's a a massive misconception about him and i kind of don't blame most people who feel that way because i guess when you judge him by all the songs he features on and the artists he works with you probably would assume he's probably not a great artist of quality because he just have just some generic commercial songs you know do well for radio and do well for hits and stuff like that but if you actually go back on, on his own projects like nestled there are loads and loads and loads and loads of gems so the beach house mixtapes mm. sign language all his albums free tc uh campaign like he's a really great a really great artist and very versatile too like he can really really fit in various pockets various pockets like but i really like him and he's really in like his uh acoustic r&b bag he, he can play the guitar and there's a song on his album called free tc with babyface called solid which is a great song but anyway i'm not here to talk about that but anyway i'm just here to say that Tyler sign is actually a really a really great artist obviously i understand that he does have definitely some 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 misses and he does have some mm. just nonsense songs but i can tell there's more business and more strategy but um so his album, Future Title Sign, came out last week, and I was a bit—I did shudder when I saw this twenty-five songs, but then I only mm. saw it. It's only an hour, and it actually kind of—it's it's an easy listen actually. Like each song kind of goes pretty. It's like I think they're all like two minutes each. I think the, the longest song is my favorite song, with uh, Music Soul Child, just five minutes. But I think everything else is about two two minutes. But um, no, mm. I really, I really, I really like it. Um. It just kind of really exemplifies and amplifies with his with the ironic title that don't just uh, surrender him to just being oh he's just a feature guy like this guy on his own is a legitimate institution like he's a great artist in his own right yes there are features on most of these songs but these are his songs that he's he's a he's a he's a he's that he is leading on these are his tracks mm. and I really like how versatile it is musically and I also love that. For all the various artists that are on here, he really does a great job of really bringing them into his world and vice versa. Mm. So, like, the song of Kid Cudi is really good. Temptations. I really love the song Nothing Like Your Exes, which uh, has an interpolation of Shaka Khan's Sweet Thing. Some people may know it as a Major Blige song, but it's originally a Shaka Khan song. Um, and um, there's something with Fee on here, who you guys know I love. Um, and I love that. And I even just love that. Tidal Song has even, like... Uh, kind of enlisted him they've worked together like on a few songs now like he's on so he's on two songs in this album and they worked on one of his other songs called receipts which came out last year so i just love their relationship together and i want them to work together more 
I love Tyron 2021 with Big Sean. Like, obviously, you guys all know that Erica is my life. I'm a stan. I love her to death. Um, and they really did a really good, respectful, tasteful flip of that song from a male perspective. I also, yeah, and also I love the musicality and the musicianship because once again, people, I think, would render him to like, as being like, you know, a, you know, a Pro Tools production, you know, buttons kind of guy. But there's live instruments here. There's modulations here. There's key changes here. Back on track six, which is called track six, with my guys, my guys, Thundercat and Anderson Pack. Thundercat and Anderson Pack, you just can't go wrong with those two. You just mm. can't go wrong, whether it's their own music or in their features. This is an amazing, amazing song. I also really like uh, Your Turn with Music Soul Child, Black, and Tish Hyman. And I said it on the podcast that I really am really, really happy that this new generation of stars are really embracing Music Soul Child. Um, and just really like, you know, introducing him to a new audience because he is one of my like ultimate favorite male singers. Like I love that man to death. I was supposed to see him at Essence last year, but you know, niggatry and an organization that didn't allow that to happen. Um, but no, that's a really great song. It's a really soulful song. And I like Tidal in that space. Like I like him without the auto tune. I like hearing his real voice. Like he's a great singer. Like he has a great, really rich tone. I love how he ad-libs. I love how he vocal stacks. Clear, he's a clearly a Brandy fan. Mm. Um, and then also, I love the last song, Ego Death. Like, it's just this really... And I think, you know, I've mentioned a few times, and Eden knows especially, I've definitely gone into my oomps oomps in the last year or so. And it's kind mm. of like this uh, this new house, new disco kind of vibe. And I kind of like how it has, like, sweets. It kind of reminds me in some ways like, of a Dono Summer song, like, where it's like, it's literally like three songs in one. Like, it doesn't just start on one bass and stays there like it really like goes up and down and travels and kind of takes on a journey and that's with Kanye West, FK Twigs, Skrillex and once again my guy Serpent with Feet. So um I will say one as expected with 25 songs there are naturally some filler. Um yeah there are there's naturally some filler on there but overall like it's a really great project and for the most part it's quite cohesive but um yeah I just really hope that and I actually saw there's actually tips to be his highest charting album today I think it's going to debut in the top 10 on the award next week so I'm happy for him and the reviews have been quite good you know our dear Nicholas here wrote a review um for Enemy um what was I going to say and then yeah I just hope that you know I really hope the conversation starts turning you know thinking like not just seeing him as just a feature it's like he has a legitimate catalogue of his own and I highly recommend all his other projects like I said Sign Language Campaign the Beach House series. He's, he has loads of unreleased music as well. That is great. He's just he's just really, really great. And on a random tip, I really would love him to do an acoustic unplugged kind of vibe album. Because mm. he does really well in 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 that space. So get you got I just give all my flowers to Tadola Sign. Like he's literally the definition of don't judge a book by its cover. Like yeah. for him, like it's clearly just business and strategy. Not to say that he doesn't like what he, he works on. I'm not saying that he doesn't like those Roddy Rich songs, the Post Malone songs. But if you really listen to his music, you know that this guy is he's a true artist, a true songwriter, mm. a true singer with a real respect. And, he's, and someone I've always said, he's clearly studied, which most yeah. of these niggas don't do today, Summer Walker. He's studied. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um so i just wanted to jump in i'm gonna risk reiterating what um shop just said because he really encapsulated that album and everything um for me i haven't given it enough time but i've been a massive um ty dollar sign fan for a while 
Um, I didn't like kind of where he was going. Um, the project that Shopee forgot to mention was Mai Tai with um. Oh yeah, with Jeremiah. With Jeremiah. Um, there were some good songs on there. There were some. Uh, there were yeah, there were, but like overall, overall, it was it was not it was not needed. Yeah, exactly. But I would rather that than what time to be alive. Yeah. Yeah, but also like with Ty Dolla Sign, the thing that I find really interesting about him is I think he's much more strategic than people give him credit for. Oh, 100%. Um, and what I mean by that is he doesn't sacrifice the art for going pop. And um, and what I mean by that is Shop has kind of explained it as well. You can hear the influences from Brandy. You can hear the influences from a lot of like 90s um, artists and like R&B legends um, in his vocals and the way he stacks his vocals. Yeah. The music he produces as well and writes and everything you can hear it's quite um authentic to him but obviously sometimes in the music industry when you you make a certain sound that doesn't suit the kind of popular sound you make sacrifices and that's why he went through that kind of dj mustard era where he was making loads of songs like pop hits and like club hits and like um fifth harmony features and stuff like that um but for me like listening to this album I still have to go through it like all the way because like Shope said, it is 25 minutes. It was 25 songs long, sorry. Um, I like it so far. And the thing that I found that he did, um, the thing that I like that he did, sorry, was he played to the idea of being a feature even on his own album. Um, but he did it in a way that made it his own still. So although um, there were quite a few artists on one song, let's say um, the song with Thundercat and Anderson Pack, for example, um, he did focus on the production. He did focus on the writing. He did make it his own song. Um, and that's why I find it interesting when people say things like, oh, Ty Dolla Sign is only good for a feature. He can't make his own music and stuff like that. When Free TC for me was a really good album. I really liked, I really liked that album. Had issues with it um, because of um, some songs that people thought were um, misogynistic, like Horses in the Stable. And that's why that video never came out. It was supposed to be a single. I don't know if anyone knows that. Was there a video for that? Yeah, there was, but they couldn't release it because the lyrics were quite I misogynistic. Know, I just know that video was problematic. Yeah. I just knew that video was going to be problematic. I just know it was problematic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you listen to the lyrics about Horses in the Stable that I want to ride, like, you understand. I do, I do love that yeah, song. Yeah, it's a though. banger. Sorry, it please. is a banger. Um, but, like, I think he's proven... I actually think he has a bit more to prove, though. I think he needs to release a project um, of just him again soon because his detractors could still say he is a feature on some of his own songs. And to add to that, um, I think he also needs to do a song where he just kind of does avoids the trends of the current day. Like, I, I really want to yeah. hear a project where he just, like, you know, I just make good music. I don't want to make... His, yeah. Because that's the thing with him, like, and that's why I get why people look at him a certain way because go on his album, there are these clearly these songs which are just, you know, he just wanted to make great music, but then there's still that, ah, I'm trying to get a hit, I'm trying to get a radio hit on a lot of the songs, which mm -hmm. are good, which are enjoyable. Like, there's a song in here with Quavo that I like, but it's generally just a, a standard song. I love that song. I of course. love that. But, and I don't even like Quavo, same here, but I love that song. It's a standard song. So I would really like to just hear him make an album where it's like, you know, I'm just making a straight good album and like he always talks about like um, being a fan of like um charlie wilson and Jimi hendrix and all these mm -hmm. other psychedelic i would like to hear him just bring all that in especially because he's a musician like he plays so many instruments i'd like to just hear him make a really great album you know yeah i actually think he's much more experimental than he actually leads on 100 i think 1, i think he he could actually experiment in different genres 
Um, I would love to hear him on something like rock. I actually think he would surprise us with like a rock song or something along those lines, especially since he, like you said, he likes Jimi Hendrix. He's spoken about the Rolling um, Stones, quite Pink a few. Floyd. Yeah, quite a few. Rock, exactly. Quite a few rock artists as well. So I would love to hear him on something different. But if we're talking about if Ty Dolla Sign has proven himself as kind of a solo um, artist on an album by himself, I would say no, if I'm being honest. I think when I saw the track list, I was like, oh, so there's only like two songs where it's just him. Like the rest, every single song seems to have a feature for some reason. Um, and I kind of questioned that because I was like, but isn't isn't the idea of the album to prove that Ty Dolla Sign isn't just a feature? Um, so I, I kind of question if he's proven. I think he needs to prove it a bit more. And I do agree with that. But then, like I said, but you can actually go back to various other projects. There are various projects of his where there's not loads of features um yeah like the yeah. campaign campaign didn't have that many features uh free tc had a had a lot quite a few mm-hmm. features but those were clearly like his yeah songs i thought you didn't like campaign i loved campaign oh i thought you didn't like it um yeah i love campaign i like well. everything on campaign but yeah. i loved campaign generally like campaign was great like shout out to stealing r&b r&b clean yep zaddy uh, dollar no justice yep there were Pussy. bangers on that. Yeah. That's a, that's a <laughs> great song. Bangers. Um, and Free TC. Oh, wow. Free TC was incredible. Like, I love that Most album. Most of it was. I love that album. Um, and I think Tadola Sign deserves his flowers. He does kill every feature, and that's not always easy as well. Like, working with um, artists and changing some of your sound or, like, incorporating it to what they want. Um, it usually works on, on most songs that he's on. I'm yet to hear it not work. Um, but I'm intrigued about the future of Tadola Sign, what he's going to do in the future. Um, and yeah, I'm just intrigued, but I just wanted to add to Chopé's um, review as well. But I have a question for both of you before I go into my last one. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's released various projects of his own. Why don't his own songs pop off the same way feature songs do? Because he has, because I, I hear songs was like, wait, this is this was a hit. Like, so the song on his last album called "Know You Better" with the Dream and Lil Wayne. I'm like, why was this a hit? Like, why? Like, this was this was actually this was a hit. <laughs> Why didn't it bang? Why I've, didn't it chart? For Why me, didn't it do well? For me, I feel like it's because he's oversaturated himself as someone that is in the background. I don't feel like his brand really presents as someone that really charts like that. Um, although they are good songs, I don't think people search. Like, I'll be interested to see his SEO and kind of how people search for Ty Dolla Sign and how they find out about him. Because I wouldn't be surprised if most people look for him on features. More so than like mm-hmm. follow him on mm-hmm. his individual Spotify account and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my suspicion because, like you said, he does have bangers on there. Like there are quite a few songs that should be in the charts, performing much better than they do, but they don't. Um, and I think it's because he leads them, and people aren't used to him leading. That's not his brand. Mm-hmm. Which is why, mm-hmm. by the way, I'm not. I wouldn't be upset if he doesn't release another album that's kind of like just him. Like if he wants to continue doing the. This is my album, but I'm going to have loads of features and it's going to be influenced by so many different people. I'm actually okay with that. But I'm saying if his goal, I'm assuming if his goal is to prove that he's an independent artist who doesn't need features, then he needs to kind of move away from the feature game. Um, But I'm intrigued. I am intrigued. I don't know what Nick thinks. Um, To answer your question, I think that with Ty Dolla Sign, he like even kind of hinted at it. He's established himself as like a feature artist, and I don't think he's done a lot of profile building to establish himself as kind of a solo act and a soloist. Like obviously he's had the projects and stuff like that, but I just think 
an era to era kind of approach hasn't been taken with him. And I think that like the profile building, the, the kind of editorial side of things, mm. the videos, obviously he does a lot of visual interviews um, around album time, but I just think it's not consistent enough with like the singles and the strategy mm. behind the singles. Mm. Like I don't really ever see a strategy behind um, having breakout singles and stuff like that. Just taking a look at his chart history, obviously he entered the game um with a so with a solo not a solo hit but is in a, a front of house hit like paranoid um but in terms of how he's evolved in his other careers his other songs where it's him as the main artist haven't charted high like obviously sometimes they have on the r&b charts but they haven't really broken through on a mainstream level to really distinguish himself and it just leads me to think that um his profile building hasn't been as strong um in terms of across platforms as well and i just think even taking a look at his social media strategy it just does it feels kind of half-hearted it reminds me more so of like a party next door like it doesn't feel intentional all the time it doesn't feel active it just kind of feels like very he just throws them out yeah, very just like lackluster throwing them out. Like obviously he has a social media presence, of course, but um, I definitely think he could be someone who I think like TikTok. It's it's super important to be intentional with that and to like um to only do it. It only works if it's authentic, right? But I do feel like a title dollar sign could could take a route on 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 the TikTok with maybe harmonies and like the back of house stuff. Maybe even like how a T-Pain came about like a couple of years ago and really showed that, you know, beyond the auditory stuff, I can sing. And like, if he showed that kind of side of him, I think he would be able to, uh, like you kind of said, establish himself as a vocal backing guy um, beyond just the music you don't discover him, like just on a mainstream level um, and distinguish himself in that pocket out of the men in R&B right now. I think he could really distinguish himself as a cool kid who also kind of vocal stacks and has that not that back of house knowledge as well. And even looking like at his um his branding just as a front of face kind of he was presented to me as like a client or something. He definitely has like a look. He definitely has like he can venture into fashion, like mm-hmm. he can brand partnerships and 100%. stuff like that. It's really it's, it's really easy to um easily accessible to kind of get him to work, especially thinking about where he lives as well, like in LA and stuff like that. Like I think he's definitely got a brand that's workable. Um, I even I'm I'm surprised why he hasn't maybe it's not by force, but I'm surprised why he hasn't really ventured into acting or like done a done a few bits there as well, like consistently. Um, because I think that could work for him too. I think there's a lot to be done with Ty Dollar Sign's brand potential. Um, I just think he needs to kind of figure it out and figure out what um what approach works for him. But I definitely think a more a heightened social media presence needs to happen now i do know he did um NPR's tiny desk at home a couple of days ago um i feel like yeah really showing his voice and really making this album an era would help him but um like i reviewed and said it's not perfect and there are some fillers on that album i do think he would have um benefited from a shorter track listing and really honing in on a few few songs a few songs around that era um maybe a lucky day kind of album to really build himself re-establish himself in the market but i'll say that he's got some great profiles out right now and um, i think he's on vulture and stuff but yeah i, I do want to see him kind of build his brand presence um also going on beyond that whole um redundant kind of feature style kind of act because if we think about a party next door he's established his brand as well as kind of a back of house penman a wordsmith most um and that's taken away from his brand as well um even thinking about like um 
<laughs> yeah, and and even thinking about like, well, hit or miss, hit or miss. That album wasn't great, the one that he just released. But um, yeah, it's just about really with Ty Dolla Sign. There's so much leverage there, and he's he's really well respected as well in his industry. So it's um, yeah, lean into that, and I think just reintroduce yourself to the next generation and. The millennials who grew up with you as well. I think the millennials like who who have been on that long journey because it's been it's been it surprised me when I was writing this review. Like it's been eight nine years now, like of him mm. being here, and I'm like, wow, that that's like a really long time um, for your brand not to be at a, a certain level. But yeah. maybe he maybe he likes being this chilled, relaxed person. Like again, what I'm learning as I'm doing more of these kind of things and like just looking at artists' careers and stuff. Sometimes these artists don't want it for themselves. Like we want it. And sometimes they're just cool with having a chilled approach. Like, yeah, this is cool. The money's coming in. Like I love music. This is it. Like I don't really need to promote it to a high level. Like my fans, my core fans are there or whatever. And it's just kind of like, that's fine if you want that. In an idealistic world, I'd want this for you. But if you don't want that and you consistently show me that, and that's cool. I'll just be here and enjoy the music for myself and like my peers and my friends, whoever whoever consumes that artist as well. But those are some ideas I have in terms of brand execution and brand building again. But um, yeah, great question. Like that's a that's a really interesting. Thing. But I also just want to add on to that. <clears throat> Ty Dollar Sign. Like, I was going to ask you guys, can you think of a Ty Dollar Sign music video for his own music? Nope. Like that. That I think is part of the issue. Um. Like, I'm looking at his... Yeah, YouTube. they aren't memorable. Yeah, they're not. And the thing is, like, I'm looking at his YouTube, like, page and just, like, searching Ty Dollar Sign, spell S-I-G-N, and then Ty Dollar, and then the dollar sign, I-G-N. And you get different results. So I'm just interested in the SEO behind him as well. Yeah. Because looking at his stats mm. on his videos, like, Orna, the song with The Weeknd and Wiz Khalifa, 566 million views. Like, his songs do well. But the songs where he's by himself aren't actually, like, you get a couple million, you get, but like you said, Nick, he's been in the game since, what, 2011? 11, uh, 12, 2014 yeah. or something like that, yeah. And him by himself, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the vision is, um, but I'll be interested to hear an interview of him just to kind of figure out what the goal is for him, because he might just be like a, a music nomad where he doesn't have a particular position when it comes to music. He just wants to make it. Um, and it's less about him and more what he wants to make really. Um, mm. But yeah, back to Shopee's listens. Um, so yeah, that's another sign. And this is just very last and very quick. So it was Frank Ocean's birthday early this week. And I went back and played a few songs and projects and things. And I revisited the endless project, which isn't something really people talk about. They, that came out the same year as Blonde, and I feel like that kind of went by the wayside, and for good reason. It's kind of a idiosyncratic project, and it's, it's like a very it's an album of sketches, in my opinion. But there were some great songs on there, so I just wanted to simply say, I just want to shout out the songs "Unity," "Rushes," and "Wither" with my girl Jasmine Sullivan. That was all. <laughs> cool. Um. All right, on to me. So. First and foremost, I'm going to talk about a UK artist. So this is Jerome Thomas. Um, some of you might recognize him from um, Colors. So he was on Colors and he performed 1989. Um, he is a Dalston artist. He's from Dalston, sorry. Um, and he makes kind of like soul slash jazz slash kind of experimental R&B type of music. 
Um, he has this kind of catchphrase called FOE, which stands for freedom of, exp of expression slash fusion of everything, sorry. Um, and he kind of talks about his upbringing a lot in interviews and how it influenced his music. Um, and I found this blog. It is called, uh, one second. So the blog is called Without Further Ado, um, where he had an interview because I was searching for him and I couldn't really find that much on him because there was a, football, a footballer of the same name. Um, and he has a project called Mood Swings, um, Volume 1. And on this project, he kind of... I just found it really beautiful the way he combined like jazz elements of like saxophone with piano and like so many different like sounds and auras and like feelings to this album. It just felt like a very comfortable type of listen. I could actually relax into the music. Um, and I, I found out about the song through um, one of the singles, which is Bruises. Um, shout out to Khalil. Um, one of my friends, Khalil mentioned this to me um, and it's one of the most popular songs on the album as well and just the overall feel like I said it's just a very comforting and kind of um, studied sound that comes to this he does sound like he has some form of training when it comes to musicianship um, I made comparisons to Sir um, Inglewood Sir um, and my friend Alex so we always talk about Alex you probably know who he is by now but he made um, comparisons to the Sol Sol uh, I can't say it Solquarians um, which artist is Aquarians? He just said the Aquarians. Like he said, it's it's more similar to the Aquarians than Sir, um, from what he heard. Because he sent it to me this morning. I was like, I listened to this already. But um, well, I do know that Jerome is a massive D'Angelo fan. Yeah, and it's that's very obvious. He said Duele as well. Yep, I can hear that too. Yeah, I, I can also hear um, Eric Benet. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely hear the influences. And what I'm finding interesting is as I do more research around Jerome Thomas and kind of just um, absorb him and his thoughts a bit more because I like finding out about the artist and their inspiration as well. Um, there was a section in the interview um, from withoutfurtherado.com um, where he essentially says that the UK scene kind of focuses on what America finds hot before we promote what we do. Um, to quote exactly what he said, I said, the question was, with the UK music scene flooded with grime slash drill oriented platforms, do you feel like music urban platforms are giving you, brackets, a soul singer, the attention you deserve? And his response was, no, I feel like the UK music scene is very much still caught up in America. It's like America has to co-sign it before we do, even, even if it's UK bred. I think it's sad. There isn't a lot of platforms for the kind of music that we do. And I feel like it needs to change. I feel like there's so many art, new artists coming up now that have grown up like me, who are paving the way for themselves and making their own platforms. If they've not been created for you, then who will? And I just kind of wanted to get Shopee and Nick's opinion on that, really. I know we've spoken about UK um, R&B, well, UK R&B and kind of how the industry reacts to that and everything. But what do you see out there for UK UK R&B artists? Like, um, what are your thoughts? Like, speak on it. Um, can I just, I, I was just going to say that, like, the interesting thing that he said that we still focus on the US. Like I can, I, I feel like I can see where he's coming from, but then I can see so many genres that we just unapologetically love here. Um, garage, drill, not drill, garage, actually drill, like to some extent, like depending on who you are in the city. Um, 
and Afroswing, that's not something the US has co-signed or even know about. To be honest, there's a lack of education when it comes to Afroswing and the creation of it. Um, so that I is do super. Think with R&B, he's right though. Yeah, that's what that's where I was heading. But with R and B and stuff, I do feel like there's still in some again some pockets because I still see some parts of the city which champion it. I just think on a mainstream level, he's definitely got a point. But um, again, like I don't know, I'm just in a place now where it's like. Just the conversations that I have, I'm kind of in a space now where like the throwing salt thing and like all of that is just kind of getting a bit old to me. Like I kind of just want to focus on the people who are doing something um, and build a collective from there. Um, but it must be frustrating from an artist who's putting the whole physical kind of money, money value into that to not get the returns. I kind of get that, you know, music is a business as well, especially for like that who's operating on platforms like colors all of that and releasing projects for monetary gain um so you know completely different positions from someone from a journalist critic lens from then someone who's actually but um yeah a hundred percent when it comes to r&b like we have a gold mine even so well like we have a gold mine in like tiana major nine who i'd love to get a bit more support over here as well but you know that will that will happen in time um i, yeah. I feel things always come full yeah. circle it will happen in time um especially where the conversations are a bit more vocal about what's going on and like there's a bit more of a consistent mm-hmm. thread of like why aren't you guys doing this why aren't you guys doing that and like a, an open dialogue with like the, on the internet and like on various platforms as well um so again like i just want to focus on spearheading the support and championing the support as well but to answer your question directly even because i've answered like 10 different questions in one now um for an r&b soul act where to go here um Oh, like, it's, it's difficult. Like, obviously, there's your Aaron Brits. There's, um, obviously, he's gone the route of Colours as well, who, um, like, there are platforms who are trying to kind of... Which isn't UK anyway. Which isn't UK, it's Berlin-based. But um, literally, it's it's really hard to kind of find your, your niche and, pop and build an audience here right now. But I do think there are platforms which publication wise it's getting a bit more open but in terms of like actually showcasing your live vocals and stuff yeah i would agree with him in terms of it's like where do you go there's only like i can think of like four or five and it's kind of spec like oh it's hard it's hard to build your audio it is hard who are the four or five um okay so r and brit um bbc live loud or bbc introducing i was going to say one because i've seen a plethora of r&b acts there but then talk about we can talk about race and colorism and stuff like that we can talk about that because it it's it, and you need a profile to get on bbc you have to build an audience exactly exactly so far it's so far sounds from london i believe i believe it, i believe i believe so. it's british at least british yeah i was thinking of so far um i was thinking of like it again i was going into the editorial space but i was thinking like um Chope will know this as well. Like Clash is good at introducing a couple of like R and B people with smaller following too. Like they do tend to consider it from an editorial mm-hmm. lens, which is cool. And it's a big look if you get in the print publication as well for your first kind of big feature and stuff, just to include in your junket. Um, the last one was 
it was weirdly enough again it's super commercial as well and you do need a profile as shopping said i was thinking of like it's a rival to colors and i know they have uk infrastructure here it's um vivos the discover thing i have seen a few oh vivo discover yeah i have seen yeah. a few r&b yeah. with smaller following get on there um i know i'm missing a few out but it's just because i've forgotten the names of them literally but i know this r&b hubs over here and r&b account stuff like that but in terms of like big profile still they are still quite ni- yeah that's exactly they are still quite niche they are still quite small um and it's yeah like i'm, I'm sure shopping is going to give us a bigger context here but i think it is still quite hard to market yourself as either an r&b act or as a even though Kadiata corrected us an alt hip-hop act as well in, in so those are two those are two scenes where it's kind of getting hard and that even with me like i can i can give you a real life example even when i covered those two sounds a shoppe will know and eden like when i had the hype beast column and stuff like the engagement compared to like when it was other acts as well was you could kind of see like the engagement levels were high for one low for another or like medium for mm-hmm. one high for another and I was definitely mm-hmm. looking at that but it was like again I'm solution based so I was like I'm still going to be giving these acts platforms you know what I mean because like you have, you have to like if you have to champion what you like yeah. you know what I mean you, you can't just and Chope does a great job at it too like there's there's loads of acts which he's championed editorially and which I want to champion editorially in the R&B space both here and internationally because you have to like because that genre is so important and it's still alive it's still kicking and it's still breathing and beyond the US there are so many acts in Europe in London who are carrying the torch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. plowing through non-monetary value like sometimes and it's like we still we we have to champion it's 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 super important It's it's in the canon and like you know, Shopee always talks about how it's that, and even Jesse as well. Like the lineage of it gets lost because it's not on a higher mainstream level to kind of see the trajectory on mm-hmm. an easier, more accessible level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, those are some of the platforms that I would say to go to. But it's still, you know, you still have to audience build, and like on these platforms, even on a college, it's easy to get lost in the in the fodder because people don't think it's cool or people don't think it's like great to hear or stuff like that but um and also there's just too many artists and colors there's just yeah colors like for me like i loved colors in the beginning like when it in the in like, like back of house but as it's grown in like our consumption i talk about it all the time on twitter like our consumption habits and stuff it's just so hard to keep up there could be so many gems there could be like 25 uh in the space of a week or something and you're just like hey like here I go. Like what's what's going on? Like how do I watch all of this? Then you've got NPR. Then you've got Discover. Then you've got Sofa. Then you've got BBC Live. Like then you it just gets really hard to yeah like and champion all of them. So as Nick said, and the thing is like so yes, in terms of editorial, there are quite a few places. But unfortunately, when and as someone who works in music, when you're building and developing and breaking an artist, you need more than just written press and print press you need visual you need radio support which is sorely lacking for r&b artists over here like tv platforms like you know that's the thing like there's so many people who were just like popping off on link up tv and grime daily and mixtape yeah. and this was like you don't sbtv even still like you know they still have 
they're still uploading movies of new rappers. We don't have that for R&B artists over here. And that's why, because going back to what Jerome said about how the UK has, the, America has to co-sign it first, I think of most recently mm. LMA. Like, mm. LMA was here for years, grinding. <laughs> and no one cared. But when booed up and trips started blowing up from the States, oh, oh, Music Week started calling. Oh, oh, Independent, The Guardian started calling. Meanwhile, she's been here for like seven years making R&B music. Mm. And no one cared. Yeah. And then even even going further back, you know, Floretry or Estelle or Oh my gosh, Omar, Estelle, yeah. Like, like... But I feel Floretry is are the biggest examples. Like Marsha Ambrosius, and I've interviewed her twice, I've been blessed to. Like her career is based there. Her money is there. Her check is there. Her life is there. Because outside of Floretry just doing so well over there, like Grammy nominations, Platinum Success, Marsha has written and produced for like Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Kelly Rowley, like she is working there. She would not be able to have it. Michael Jackson. Marsha Emerges has a Michael Jackson credit. Mm. Who else? Yeah. Who can say yeah. that? You know what? Because the other day someone asked a question on Twitter where they were like, um, who was a black female um artist that um what was the question? It was something along the lines of like, who's a black um UK female artist from like the two thousands who was doing quite well in R and B? Um, in the UK, in the UK, and the only person that people could really speak of was Gabrielle. That was and Jamila, yeah, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's quite a few others that we're probably forgetting, um, but yeah, and even Gabrielle, that's a sticky one because she came out in the early '90s, mm. and even she herself wouldn't classify herself as an R&B artist because because she, she, she classifies herself as like a pop artist of soul influences, but because she's black, mm, yeah, she's labeled R&B. Because yeah. if you because I like her music, but if you really listen to her, she's not really an R&B artist. Yeah. And then even also, an anomaly is Sade, you know, our queen, British, Nigerian, my auntie. <laughs> she obviously, and she's actually, um, other than Adele, the best selling female artist here of all time, other than Adele. Mm. But going there, and so she's an anomaly because she also had consistent success over here. But I do think that, once again, I think when Sade came out, there was a global strategy in place from the beginning. Sade was, from the beginning, being serviced in America, mm. Europe, yeah. Japan, Australia. It wasn't yeah. just a UK mm. thing. Like, Sade is a Grammy winner. Sade has, like, number one singles over there. Like, So she's all an anomaly. Mm. She's an anomaly. Especially because her music wasn't even really commercial anyway. Like, it was very, like, you know, Quiet Storm and jazzy and kind of, like, this sophisticated pop uh, kind of sound. Mm. So she's an anomaly as well. And that's, and then I don't know why. And also, of course, she's mixed race. She's light skin. That also helps 100%. too. But, 100%. But, but most importantly, from the beginning of her career, she wasn't just a UK artist that then went to the States. From the very beginning, she was being serviced everywhere. So obviously her label, her management, you know, they reinvested in her, which you're not really seeing because you can do it. You can do it. Because there are songs here and artists here. That I'm thinking like, this could have been here. Like Mahalish should have at least three top 40 hits mm-hmm. by now. She's here. she's consistently getting featured on albums, like from US and UK. Mm, no, exactly. seriously, like she's becoming. I think someone needs to do a piece soon because she's becoming a little back of pocket gem. And this isn't just UK. Yeah. This is US. This is, this is Nigeria. This is like it's, yeah. it's all over happening right now. So I feel like 100%. she's gonna. She's actually gonna. She her strategy will be a long game. Her her label better just know that it's a long game for her. Um, it's not going to be an instant success. It should be, but it's going to be a long game for her, which is cool, though. Because I'm sorry, Mahalia. Like, I, 
like I'm sorry, sober was a hit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like I know obviously I know underground we all the streets know it, <laughs> but that should have been like a top twenty hit. Mm-hmm. Like I wish my, I wish I missed my ex. That was a hit. What you did with LMA, how could you not push that? LMA is popping right now in the States. How was that mm-hmm. not pushed? How did you not take advantage of that? Do you feel like and it goes back to what I've always said? Do that, you feel like the the do, I don't know, like do you feel like on a chart level, like obviously we know colour, we've spoken about Adele and Sam Smith, we've spoken about that. Sam Smith's even pivoting to Afro now, but um, yeah, but like with R and B here, black R and B, um, do mm-hmm. we feel like there's an issue institutionally as well? Like, do we feel like it's beyond just consumers? Because I feel like there's multiple issues happening. Like, I feel like no, of course, do consumers, are consumers, the knowledge, like the finding it, number one, and then number two, it's like pushing it like you just said with Mahalia like the LMA collab and Mahalia is sober Mahalia with all of the collaborations that she's done like it just I don't know like it just it's it's weird to me it's a bit weird to me what's going on as always race will always play a part in it because that's the world we live in especially in Britain Mm. but it's also an institutional thing it's an institutional thing like there's just a lack of respect for the r&b art form from and i've heard it from people i've worked with like from the yeah. labels from management mm. from prs they just don't think it will sell even though there is plenty of examples showing that you can if you put mm. the money and time in and the strategy in you can do it because like like i said lma popped off for a reason mm. like like boot up was like the first legitimately r&b song yeah. for the top 10 in like years mm. like not r&b lights not pop R&B, no but an r&b song r&b r&b, R&B. <laughs> <laughs> in like in like years yeah in years you know and even going back to the whole brandy monaco versus thing wasn't that the most watched versus didn't it stream more than the vmas like, it beat vmas yeah I, I, that's why i made the article yeah and even like going back to what i said about tj moses earlier this year she like she's like a ver- somewhat unknown but she's sort of five nights at the jazz cafe there's obviously something there there's an appetite there's an appetite mm. there. And, even, and me too, who love going to show. Like, every time I go to these R&B shows, I'm just like, like, I've seen Faith Evans. I've seen, I've seen Tank. I've seen these people. I'm like, there's an audience here. <laughs> there's an audience. There are R&B here. lovers here. And there's, and there, and, and there's, there's commercial R&B. Because everyone, not everyone has to be like, you know, the, the under, the neo soul jazz. Like, there's like serviceable R&B here. Like, in an ideal world, Kadeem Tarot would have some hits over here. Let me know what's here. That's what I, that's what Especially I was thinking. Has, I was thinking that. He has that. the garage influences too. Like, he has that, li- that mm. little, um, uh, Monte Booker Kitchener-esque kind of vibe sometimes. They're, like, there are so, so, mm. so many so many artists and let's yeah. not forget that let's not forget that georgia smith popped off on that kind of sound as well and the thing Thank is like you. even even to hit there's a there's a lane in the uk for garage um melding there was an article even about how garage has extended onwards into this era and it's super important and i think adding that to different genres can help just just familiarize some new audiences as well but i wanted to quickly say your label example i have a story here but i cannot say who the artist is because it's not my story to tell but what all i'm gonna say is they went into the label label me in this was one of the top three okay so sony universal warner um and they were telling him they were telling him specifically that you know grime this was like two or three years ago that like grime is the popular genre you need to start rapping on your songs forget the r&b melodies forget the experimentation 
you just need to put a grime hat on um, because this is what's popping. Look at Stormzy. Look, this is every label's big name now to use as a template, change whatever genre you work in, you know, just become a Stormzy. And I was just like, but he makes experimental R&B. Let's make this Mm. make sense. Because like, where where do we jump from? This isn't an alt hip hop act. Because it would make, even though it's delusional, it would still make a bit more sense. He's actually rapping but Hmm. he's singing like there's no rapping anywhere in his music why would you tell him to go to to become a Stormzy and I think that is just a big example do you know what I get I get why the label said that although I don't necessarily agree with it um I do think it's important that artists have the understanding of what they can make as well and I'm interested in the movements of the next R&B kind of um generation as well so like the manelias for example the, oh not her to lay, the, yes her, her that song would have blown up if she was a u.s oh, you know what, fine um, no that's true let's have let's yeah. have r&b that's not quality do well too that's true that's yeah so manelia um to riley um was someone in the past who made music and i didn't know that scribs i know it's obvious but scribs riley is actually his brother i didn't know that mm. um so yeah. I'm interested in what Scribs Riley does, what Jack James does. And Jack James seems to have more of a US kind of appeal anyway. They seem to be marketing him a lot more over yeah. there than over here. And yeah. Tiana um, too, they're pushing her in the States yep. because they know better. Yep. Because they know it's yep. not going to be here. Yeah. yeah. Or the soundtrack, the, the soundtrack opportunity just opened the doors, really. Tiana was yeah. just on the Kelly Clarkson show. I'm like, yes, that's yeah. right, yeah. sis. Go, you do that. You push. <laughs> go follow Marsha and Estelle before you. Go follow. Yeah. But one thing, one thing I'll say is that just because of LMA's success um, and it happening really quickly, I think that we need to not be naive in that it can take a while to pop off even in the US market even though we're seeing traction with Tiana Major I still think there's a long road of course, of course. to success which is which is what I just with Motown we need to be in it for the long game Mahalia we need yeah. to be in but, it for the long game but I think the difference is you can already see some fruits of, of fruits of that effort being put in in the states mm. Whereas 100% in the UK, like she got an Afropunk exactly exactly whereas in the UK what does she really have over here what basis does she really have here but in the states she has queen and slim soul train awards kelly clarkson show she's been playing. yeah but the, the thing is i think we need to be careful though because i i see us like rb artists complain about the same things like for example that that article that um nick presented a few weeks ago about how um r&b artists are going independent now rather than actually signing to labels oh america like, have oh my gosh too. yeah don't get me yeah. wrong Americans, yeah. the American army has their own issues too, which I have plenty of opinions about. But the difference is there is more space for them to thrive. Even if they're not necessarily being massive superstars, there's more space for them mm. to exist. There's more to space eat, for them to get money. To eat, get to get money. money yeah. And to make actual solid audiences. Like yeah. yeah. Do you know what? The you you guys asked a question earlier about do you think it's the platform's fault or do you think it's like something to do with the artists and stuff like that? I think Nick said it. But in the same interview for um oh, I've forgotten his name now. Um for Jerome Thomas, sorry. For Jerome, um, yeah. He actually he says something that actually answers that question. So there was a question that was like, when confronted about this topic referring to R and B um and not represent being represented in the UK. Um, some UK platform owners have claimed they are simply meeting public demand. How would you respond? And his response to that was quite interesting. He was like, well, that doesn't make sense. How can the public decide what they want before they've heard it? 
you are the ones that show the public in order for them to like something. So basically, basically this is how yeah. you end up with people um with giving people what they think they're gonna like regurgitation thank you and i find i, I find thank that very you. interesting i agree i find that very, go very on, interesting go on. yes Eden. well Come on. I, I find it interesting because there is there is a layer of um how society is controlled in that um because for me grime and drill blowing up is a lot to do with the fact that there are um rich white kids um on the outskirts of london now coming into london Alex from who want to who, who basically want to act like they're from a certain lifestyle who basically have the blogs on youtube and all these types of things and it's yeah. a lifestyle that is very easy to replicate um on like social media like the tracksuits you've seen them the, the tracksuits the fades um like the stormzy is better than this person what is grime all of these all black you've seen face. them on the internet and everything whereas r&b has more of a kind of stronghold and isn't as um, attractive to that audience mm-hmm. um, when it comes to um, like adoption. So I understand from like that's a very good point. I understand from like a label perspective why you would want to go more for the one that um, is trend based because when people want to copy something, they will listen to it a lot more to basically emulate emulate it. Um, yeah. But I do think like you can't force artists to do something they're not used to and someone who i respect for that is um ah what's his name again four in the morning 4 a.m what's the song called again uh what's his name begins with a g 4 a.m yeah his name is um oh what's his name again i have it saved no man Um, i was thinking rags but (laughs) Hold up, give me two seconds. Give me two seconds. I'll find it. Is the song called 4AM? Yeah. Is it featuring uh, a lot of people? No, it's just him. See, all, that, oh, all okay, I know is Rags and Millennium Fiona. That's all I know for 4AM. He, he has a tape called The Mean Tape or something like that. What's his name again? Hold up, give me two secs. Uh, um, can I just say to Eden's point before when he's looking, um, I definitely yeah, think like the relationship... The, yeah, the relationship with um fashion and grime and uk rap genres obviously like the lifestyle adidas has yeah adidas has definitely like been a key part of that nike um over the years as well and like grm and even at the start of grm they were all wearing like adidas tracksuits and sponsorships that they like adidas are eating right now in the uk because they took an early um bet even if we look at the london trailer that they did a while ago which birmingham got mad at like with all the all the rappers over here as well like they took a huge investment and that helped to like make cultural capital extended into into wider consciousness like across the country and that's led to why you get digital blackface which is going on right now Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. get all the reaction channels and all that kind of stuff i think it's super important to put the context here because like eden's so right like i think we started off our last season with um that that guy on on glastonbury um rapping all the lyrics and stuff like that and i think it's so important just to add that context into why something's culturally cooler than another genre but i also wanted to say playlist culture is so important as well like i didn't realize that some people literally just pay playlists and like there's a there's a whole monetary kind of value in playlisting there's a whole kind of people pay for placements on these playlists you know yep they sure do 
the thing is like <laughs> if know. labels wanted to no you know this and if labels wanted to really make r&b cool they could through the they playlist could. culture so many people playlists like and stuff like that you could enter you could start slowly with a pop r&b crossover like maybe a jamelia would have made that playlist 10 20 years ago and then like transition slowly into more authentic mystique exactly like and then try to transition slowly into like authentic r&b being marinated marinated into that as well it's really not hard to do these things i don't get why people are acting like it's super hard to do you know and make something cool but i also want to add on to that point before eden goes i want to say this also from a pr standpoint and i've seen this working with some of the artists i've worked with white people and their love for the black struggle and the black criminal Mm, that's that helps to sell these it's a fetish yeah and that's and that's why all the because I've seen it all these white journalists are just so in, into heady and true. Oh my god, it's such a fascinating genre, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> Shopper, we've spoken. Shopper, we've spoken. You know about this. I'm not going to blacklist myself. We're not going to do that. Yes. There's certain there's certain figures who can't. They love it whether it's US, whether it's UK. When there's a black struggle, when there's when there's jail involved, oh, they're yes, getting a feature. Honestly, and the thing is, let's honestly. let's talk about how this is super intentional because there is an agenda to make us look like we're only associated with certain 1, forms of activity. A hundred percent. You can praise us and spite us in the same tone. Two things can 1, be true at once. That hundred percent, and that and that's also why R and B won't sell because because there's no because unfortunately with grime and drill even though they obviously you know respect the music as music but there's also and all things about pr is about creating stories and narratives and you know make them sellable and serviceable r&b is just about hey this is a great artist this is great music there's no real controversy there kind of like oh there's no poor nigger story there there's nothing there's nothing like that so yeah go on Eden. yeah i think i think in a, in a nutshell what we're saying is like for, for things like grime and drill for a lot of people <clears throat> it's a costume more than it is a genre Hundred. Um, whereas like yep. r&b for example is something you kind of it, it doesn't really come with a uniform it doesn't really come with a certain type of um thing that you can just steal oh actually you can you can you can steal the hotep aesthetic let's not pretend that you can't but it's not but a that's more, relationship that's more with hip-hop though Hotep's are more associated with, art, with hip-hop, in my opinion. Okay. Um, but the artist I was thinking of, by the way, was Giovanni. And the reason I mention him is because mm. <laughs> I literally messaged him. Uh, I can't remember when this was. Oh, May. I'm looking at the DM right now. And I was like, I love the music. Have you ever thought about doing something similar to Song? And if anyone doesn't know who Song is, um, he is an R&B artist who um, produced, I think, the first R&B song on Drill. And I was just thinking about, like, the trap soul element and how Bryson can, like, combined the trap and the soul elements of music together to obviously create the album and everything. And I was thinking who could do that? Something similar in the UK, but with drill. And I was like, Giovanni is the best person. So I messaged him. Shay's and he was like, universe yo. is another one. Yeah. Shay's universe. Yeah. And, and he was like, yo, love for the shout, but um, I feel like I would be forcing it rather. It comes naturally. And that's something I respect because I genuinely think if he did jump on it, I think it would work for him. Like, I think it would work in terms of aesthetic. I think people would call him a pioneer. I think people would give him all of these different types of names because Drill is popular at the moment. Um, he has the aesthetic down. He's very, like, we've we've reviewed his music before and here before, and I did say that he reminds me of, like, a UK OVO artist in some of the things that he makes. Um, so I actually think it would blow. But the fact he's so, um, he loves his sound enough to respect it 
and not force it is something that I think is very important and key to this conversation as well because um, I feel like drill and R&B are in completely different spectrums when it comes to um, kind of the mindset people approach them with. Like drill is is quite a violent genre. Like if we're being completely honest, it is a very violent genre and it has a certain type of mood that comes with it. We spoke about this in our episode with Drill Minister as well. Whereas R&B, depending on the song, like sometimes there's heartbreak, sometimes there's love, sometimes like is is based around positive emotions or like making the best or just kind of grieving situations. Um, so I understand I understand dichotomy. I understand the issue and all of those types of things. But R&B artists in the UK do deserve a lot more. And I'm never surprised when they go to the US to get more. I'm not surprised that um, Angel was out in America with um, Brandy, like recording songs and stuff like that, and writing for artists and all these types of things. I'm never surprised because it doesn't seem like they have a lot here to work with. So, yeah. And I even, so look, cool. and I even look back at some artists and we will, we will end this now because, you know, we've got yeah. Nick starts to do his listens. But thank you, Edith, for bringing it up. Yeah. So, and also, Jerome Thomas is great. He's an amazing artist. I'm a fan of his as well. Yeah, from what I've heard as yeah. well. Hundred. Um, I just got my one last listen and then, um, Nick, you can jump on. Um, my last listen, I have to mention it, otherwise Instagram's going to keep chasing me with these adverts for some reason, um, is her damage yes guys i don't i don't understand why instagram have been advertising this song to me every single day yo every twitter every single day for the last like two months no but that's good though that's good that's good though force it down our throats that's what we should be doing (laughs) that's what we should be doing it goes back to actually yeah in in terms of the conversation it goes back to jerome's point force it down our throat that's what you're supposed to do and and if they don't like it no you will make them like it and, if it'll catch- and the thing is, it worked. Thank so, you. So, <laughs> like, it if worked. Good, I actually loved the on. song. Yeah, exactly. And this did catch on. Um, and I must say, like, the algorithms for Instagram when it comes to music usually do work for me as well. So um, I am really enjoying this song, um, but I realize it's taken a lot of time. So I'll just say, listen to Damage by her. Um, it's the one song that I've liked from her recently. Um, the other songs that she released before this, the, like the reggae influence one, I didn't like. Um Hold on, I haven't listened to that's it yet. I see that's song. her latest single. But um, I'll take a listen to the rest of her songs and everything. But Nick, your listens. Yeah, I just wanted to say that for her, like, her fans, I definitely know for facts that she's gearing up for debut album mode. So that's cool to like finally hear. Um, and I like Damages as well. The, the adverts are really cool. So like, she was yeah, sick I on really the like the adverts as well. As well. To say. Yeah. We'll get to that. She's, she's someone, she is someone who will definitely be here for the long run if she can get the music together because everything else is in place it's just the music but um it's getting it's heading in the right place last two singles so happy but um yeah i will give you one just because it's been a very long listening section um, i will move on into the news after but i will just say i've listened to this a few times i will give you a bit more of an in-depth um review next week hopefully but um I just want to say shout out to my Jamaican brother, Buster Rhymes. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you yes. for coming back. Yes. Like, this project right here... A pleasant surprise. Is everything is everything I needed and more. Like, everything, every every single thing I needed and more. And do you know what? Buster Rhymes has been one of my favourite rappers um, ever. Like, it, I think it's, like, 
just because of the Jamaican influence and the fact that he was unapologetic with that in New York, in London, coming to Notting Hill, like this vintage photos and all that. Just like the diasporic ties that he has and like really honing into that and not being afraid to do that. You know, you have Vibes Cartel on this project, all right, who is problematic. We did discuss it before, but you know what? That is Jamaica. So, you know, for better or for worse. Um, And I think that, you know, there's just so many great features on this album and like i just want to shout out chris rock who's narrating this project he's great like like morgan freeman on 21 savages projects like we need more of that like i want more and i know there's been more in the past as well but like we need more of that right now because i love it i love the experimentation with different genres with using a narration tool and obviously 21 savages leaning into more like societal political themes as his music grows while still being fun with it as well but with this project um you know it's extinction extinction level event to the wrath of god this focuses on themes that we're going through such as like the pandemic the plight of black people if you think of like the song the purge which is song number two after the introduction buster is very uh radical on this project and i don't even like calling people radical because to me what he's saying is a radical but like throughout this project and especially starting things off on the purge he's super radical and i love that kind of um that topic focus you know of black people we are going to riot in the streets until we get what we want and that's that that's that on that you know he's talking about the elections he's talking about donald trump he's talking about the state of the world I love the old dirty bastard was here on um song number seven slow flow i love what he did with um bell uh bell devoe on out of my mind oh my god if shop i don't know if you've had this song yet but like the, the way he i love tears it. that the way he tears that destruction that um production apart and that sample yo 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 like it's so different like but still sounding the same still sounding nostalgic but like Buster Rhymes is Buster Rhymes. Like he will bust a fucking rhyme. Like it, he will literally Come kill on, you with the flow, kill yes. you with the inflections, kill you with what he's saying. Um, and the delivery, like he is one of the best rappers in terms of delivery hip hop has ever seen. Like seriously, like this is not an exaggeration here. Um, yeah, that sample there, what he did with it, incredible. There is so much interpolation across this project as well. Um, him and Rick Ross standing side by side on Master Fard Muhammad is just two people who, when they enter the song, you gotta listen. Like I, Rhapsody has to shout Rhapsody out. Go on, go on. That was I did not know I needed that till I heard it. Buster and Rick Ross in a song, and so I was just I was playing yeah. it so like like hey, hey, just <laughs> a fucking boss of a song. Boss of a song. I was just, you know song. that you know that I don't know if you've if you've seen that meme of Vincent Herbert just bobbing his head. Yes, that was I me. have. I have head <laughs> up and down, head up and down. Yes, that song yes. knocks. Sorry, continue. Honestly, honestly, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, Rhapsody. I have to shout her out because Rhapsody is just becoming that girl. I did speak about her with recent reasons album. Um, I've listened to her solo works as well, Soldierna. Like she is just a boss at this game, and like put a nostalgic, melodic sample in front of her, and she will. She she's Sunday. She is Sunday personified. The day Sunday, 
she is that personified. That is what you need every single Sunday. A verse from her, a song from her, a chorus from her. Like she she's super incredible on this album and such a great addition. Um obviously we've got Mariah Carey sampling there, interpolation there. She sounds great, you know. Um this is the song Where I Belong. Um and I think again, it's just great to hear two legends in their respective fields just go back to back it's great it's great and i think um something that buster did correctly was finding the balance of the old and the new um and that is something that i really appreciate from him as well anderson pack makes an appearance on this project too it is 22 songs long and i'll probably say there's about two or three out of that which is filler which is amazing that is amazing to me to have only that but um oh man this album I, like i seriously three listens deep and yeah like this is an old old school album which i'm just i'm not gonna stop putting down i just i already know that this is this is great if you love societal takes if you love talking about the state of america right now if you love older school productions and sampling jump on this one man i have nothing negative to say bar like three fillers um yeah Incredible, incredible. I second incredible. everything you said. I. All right, you sold it to I've, me as well. I've, I've, Seriously. Literally, I was playing nothing but this in Wizkid yesterday. This album is really good. I need to jump into Wizkid as well because I've heard it's his. I've heard, you know, there's some magic that I need to press play on. But uh, yeah, I'll probably be discussing it, it next week. So. But no, I, I, everything Nick said about Buster Rhymes' album, honestly, one of the biggest surprises of this year. I did not know I would be enjoying a Buster Rhymes album in 2020, but. There's a song in there mm. which I love called Don't Go of Q-Tip. I love the song Kendrick Lamar too. Yeah, Q-Tip's great. Um, yeah, I second everything Nick said. I highly recommend it too. Yeah, cool. so... um get to the li- new section. Yeah, let's go, let's go. Um, so, news-wise, news-wise, is it interesting week? Um, I'm going to summarise this first one best to my knowledge because a lot of it is hearsay um, and I'm... I'm just gonna we could we could just go back and forth once I present what I know, okay? But um this is Diplo. This is regarding the producer Diplo, um, who denies living with TikTok star Quenlin, I believe her name is Blackwell, who is nineteen years of age at the date of this recording. Um now this this hit on uh last sunday on twitter um but had been brewing a week before in the tiktok community um it has involved quenlin one of her tiktoks going viral where she admits to living with diplo and she made a living with diplo the series um i think she made like five parts um but there were definitely more than one um this led to controversy across apps so it left the tiktok space um, and went to Twitter and Instagram with um, people fearing for her safety um, and her living arrangements. Um, there was rumours about them potentially dating. Um, there were rumours about her being trafficked. <laughs> there were rumours about a lot like um, chaotic relationships, chaotic kind of dynamics in the relationships as well, being called abusive toxic etc via various accounts but as i said in the title um diplo 
did decline that they were actually formally living together, um, even though he joked about it on her TikTok himself, saying he had no friends, hence why he invited her to live with him. But that was a joke, allegedly. Um, so he said he read, this is a tweet that was on the 26th, so a couple of days back. He's tweeted, okay, so I rent one of my properties to um, Quenlin Blackwell. And yes, I use the studio that is in that specific building. Her social media is sarcastic and chaotic, which is true, to be honest. If you look at her TikToks, it is sarcastic and chaotic. I'm not caping for him. I'm just saying the fact as they are, it is sarcastic. But um, he said her social media is sarcastic and chaotic and I can see how you can get it twisted uh, get a twisted idea that there is nothing but a friendship between us so he did admit there was a friendship as a landlord i don't really consider age or race as a qualification you just gotta pay security deposit and don't poke holes in the walls or ruin my carpet um he replied to various worried accounts saying to make music you have to be in chemistry uh to be creative with a person we didn't make songs between plexiglass door while on discord so what he's saying is that he's basically collaborating with quenlin as well who wants to pivot into music um using that specific studio as well because he doesn't do collaborations via uh non-physical methods i guess that's what he's trying to say here but um Quenlin responded as well, basically saying um, that her parents trust him, that she trusts him, um, and that she's being made to feel icky um, about the situation because of all the concerns. Diplo is my LA dad, nothing more. She actually does have a boyfriend as well. Not that that matters towards abuse. It can happen regardless of whether you're in or out of the relationship. But just wanted to add it for context because that's what the article featured. Um, yeah, so her Diplo, living with Diplo, the series is sarcastic. And her boyfriend makes a lot of appearances on her Instagram. I think his name's Parker. So... This led to loads of social media conversation. I'm just going to try to jump to my DMs from what I saved, but I'm not going to reveal any of the accounts because I just don't want to incriminate a lot of them, but uh, not incriminate, but put them at risk, you know? But um, there were some accounts that saying four to five years ago that Diplo DM them on Snapchat, um, in a sexual nature, um, phone sex, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it was trending on Sunday. Uh, with loads of allegations. There was a recording um, of Azalea Banks's old podcast on SoundCloud where she discussed Diplo um, and he's a predator um, and how he approached her in her late teens. Uh, obviously, if you didn't know, Diplo was instrumental in helping Azalea with older productions and helping her get into the music business. But she did kind of allude to the fact that they slept together. Um, if you didn't know, he was also with MIA for, uh, I think it was two years, two-year relationship. And throughout that relationship, he was telling her she was worthless. Why is she recording with certain artists? Why is she basically getting fame without him? Um, and that MIA has stated that publicly in interviews before. Um, you can definitely just search MIA um, and Diplo and that will come up 100%. Um, 
it was yeah very high profile publication she's mentioned this on post breakup so that's all i'm going to say just to not make it too much more complicated than what it already is but he's denied the claims that he's formerly living with Quenlin. he's just renting out his property to her and there were accusations of um sexual emotional etc abuse on various celebrities non-celebrities of the celebrities including azalea banks and mia and the non-celebrities including twitter and um i think tumblr users as well but and snapchat users of course because snapchat was the screenshots which we saw but um that's all i'm going to say for now uh what do you guys think of this new topic uh um so this is a topic that I always try to avoid talking about because I feel like it, nothing has been made official. There's not a lot of information out there. Um, and I just don't know. Um, I just want to make that very clear. I don't know anything about this situation. I haven't been keeping up with it. But whilst Nick has been talking, I've just literally been scrolling through comments and stuff like that and kind of looking at the evidence that people are putting forward um, because we don't always need newspapers to actually make things official but like this is why it's important that like your your history is important like the things you do to other people is very important because um one day a situation will happen and people will um rightly so bring it up to say this is a question on this person's character and I've seen a few things about Diplo just scrolling through the comments and everything about how there was allegedly a hashtag that went around with underage girls um, like twerking that he released and asked for people to do. Obviously, Nick has spoken about the voice notes that um, and um, pictures that have been sent from underage girls and stuff like that. And this isn't something that is foreign to the music industry. Um, so like it's not something I would be surprised at if it was the case. And I'm not necessarily saying he's guilty, but I'm just, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the case. Um, Azalea Banks saying that obviously things happened between them when she was younger on a podcast. That makes me lean more towards believing her. Um, well, believing... Let's remember Russell Crowe, like what happened there. Yeah, exactly. Him admitting that it was real. Yeah after publicly saying it wasn't so i i, I agree with yeah. you i think it's, it's a hard one um it's a hard one but i the one thing i think we all agree is i hope that i want to get her name right um quenlin yeah um i hope well her name's quen blackwell i think or but but whatever but quen i hope that quen is okay um and i hope this isn't something that she comes out later on about i hope it is what she says it is because you know with grooming it's not a situation that is always obvious it's something that is um mm. it's there's an underlayer to it you don't even realize what's going on a lot of the time it's quite emotional um in its bait and kind of makes you follow like a breadcrumb towards what eventually happens um but just looking at some of the comments it does look like something people should be investigating but i think it's too early for me personally to comment on because i don't know anything about it um, but there seems to be a lot of um, evidence out there. Hopefully it gets out someday um, and he faces the consequences of um, those actions if he is guilty of them. But um, yeah, I'll wait and see what happens. So I also want to draw attention to a deleted tweet that he made in 2010. Oh, he wow. Said... You, can't start, you can't start a sentence like that and it not be juicy, man. So he said, 
on the 6th of June, 2010, at 4.27 a.m., yeah. <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a now deleted tweet, girls born in the 90s, I have to stop sleeping with you. I saw this tweet as well. Which means, at the time, he would have been 31, and the girls he was referring to would have been between 10 and 20 years old. So there's that. And I think there's another tweet, I can't find it now, but he basically said, he made light of the R. Kelly situation, saying that, I should join the sex cult arcade fan club or something like that. But that was also deleted too. But something to that effect. So when I saw that, and then the Azealia Banks story, and that someone else came forward, actually. I can't remember her name. Um, Cray Sean, some rapper, came short, came through. Gucci, Gucci. Oh, Cray Sean. Yeah, she said something wow. about how he was um, very um, emotionally abusive and manipulative at, when, she was, when she was young. So as... I've said before, there's no smoke without fire. So obviously in this case with the Quen girl, that might be innocent. It might be, but either way is drawing attention to the fact that this man clearly has some sort of reputation and history with young girls and just being manipulative and abusive. And that just brings the question, what is it with these industry people and young people? I just don't get it. What is it? But also, like, just thinking from a logical point of view, if you've got all of these allegations and you're deleting tweets and all the all these types of things, if I was like, I I would never be in this position, just to say. But if I was in that position, I wouldn't have someone who's underage or young in my premises. Like, it's just, yeah. it's too, it's too easy. It's too, it's too much. Like, you should just be. If you're not guilty of this, your solution should be to stay away from anyone from a certain age and the fact you're continuing despite the fact you've deleted tweets that have suggested such is a bit suspicious like it's it's it brings questions yeah um i just think that this industry will continue to protect abusers and stuff like yeah. that there was a conversation this week um that happened where Black women specifically as well as black men were protecting someone in the podcasting industry oh. that, you know, has alleged, alleged many, uh, to many, we know him, you know. You know well, Joe Budden. Oh. Joe Budden, you know, but um, yeah, there was a conversation where black women um, and black men, some black men as well, were defending him and like getting restorative justice but they weren't really doing restorative justice and like about? it was just and we're talking about joe Biden. oh um, okay, okay, okay. yeah and there was a conversation on clubhouse like about him and all this kind of stuff like that and he was in the chat the rock nation brush brunch social app. literally <laughs> like there was people uh, there were black women arguing with black women and i was like this is about joe and whether he's abused black women and i was well, just like this, this, this isn't happening like this this isn't happening like you guys are just arguing against each other like whether he did or didn't do it and the fact that you're not cancelling him for this and you're it, it was this industry will protect people and diplo and diplo's white okay so like yeah like if it's happening in our community and it's not happening then imagine what's happening in these communities it's just the people who slip up too much who get caught but then if you can cover your breadcrumbs you're good so it's like i i don't know man i don't i don't really see a solution because it's just perpetuated every single day um but it doesn't shock me if he did emotionally abuse 
MIA and Crayshawn, because as it, when Shopee added Crayshawn into the mix, the stories are adding up. Very consistent threads of similar patterns. And those tweets are very highlighted. somehow. So again, no smoke without fire. The tweets, yeah, the tweets incriminated him even more. There was loads of tweets actually, but he deleted them all as they were getting highlighted, you know? Um, but <laughs> yo, I don't know, man. I just hope that these women can heal because I, I, yeah, I hope if there is anything that's happened to them, even on an emotional abuse level, like, yeah, I just hope they're able to heal. And I hope that he is one day um, punished for, for what happened um, or whatever the route is, restorative justice, prison, like whatever whatever the right course of circumstances um, in each specific situation. But again, we can't speak on alleged it, much more than we have, you know. Um, unless anyone wants to chime in before I move on. Well, I had a thought. Um, oh. I kind of just question the whole young artists moving in with older artists things in general. And I feel like, like not to um, derail from the discussion, um, this is something that's slightly different, but there are some instances where there are some artists who have come up. And for example, I'll give you Chris Brown and Diddy, for example. Where I'm yeah. just a bit like, if this is a bit odd, like twenty year old, twenty year old, nineteen year old Chris Brown moves into Diddy's house. Why? Chris Brown's already famous by nineteen like, years old. Why is he moving to Diddy's house? Um, it was two thousand and nine. So you know what happened then. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so, what happened? What happened in two thousand and nine? Rihanna incident. Oh, oh, oh. So oh. Chris Brown had just had the incident with Rihanna and this is when he'd released his apology and his career was looking like it was going to tank. So oh, he moved into Diddy's house. I remember this. Yeah. And I'm just like, I just don't understand that angle. Like, this is just a well, really random conversation. Well, the streets have been talking about Diddy for a while, but we're not going to do that today. So... This... <laughs> no, but I'm just interested in why... The talking about why... Diddy for a while. Let's not, let's not make this that podcast. <laughs> Let's not do that. No, but I'm just, I'm genuinely just interested in why the artist needs to move into another artist's house. Like, why can't they just mentor them? Like, why can't Chris Brown live in his house and then get Diddy to mentor him? And a good, like, I don't understand why you need to move into the house. And a good example is, do you know who? Mr. Nick Cannon. When he was helping out, but look at August. Isn't August the scene? Okay, I was trying to think of not, I, I didn't know if I wanted to go into that one, but continue. Well, Nick Cannon. No, um, August no, Alcina. So before we get in, into that entanglement, so when Kalani, <laughs> when Kalani was when Kalani was coming up, Nick Cannon was like financially supporting her. But what did Nick Cannon do? Nick Cannon got her her own apartment. Oh. That's how you do it. Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. That's he did. How he, you did. Do it. he did. He did. Yeah. <laughs> so Nick was Nick was like, "I'm going to support you. I'm going to pay for your studio time. I want to help you become a star. But I'm going to get your own place. But I come and check on you every once in a while. That's what you do. You don't." Kalani wasn't living with him. You can tell that Nick is passionate about the music and entertainment. Like, you can just tell. Like, he's very much, like, brand building, all this kind of stuff. Like, you can tell. Like, it just looks like... Well, if something comes out about him, I'd be shocked. Let me just say that, because it looks like he's very much passionate about talent and building talent and talent being it. But he, you he know? probably also knows the optics are a bit off as well. No, but no, but everyone should know the optics he did. Yeah, like why would you? Why That's would you invite a young impressionable? She was broke in the beginning as well. Say that again, sorry, Nick. But if we look at the music business, it's a mic. If we look at the music business, it's a microcosm of society, and there's a lot more evil than good that that's in powerful positions. Do you know what I mean? So I think that with 
this industry and stuff like that. And let's 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 not forget that the industry is very touchy feely. Like from what I've seen, anyway, very touchy feely. So these people moving into each other's houses, doing image, doing all of that. That doesn't really shock me because people are literally dealing with unsolved issues people are lonely and famous like they that's why they're doing all they're like come let me be your father let me do the father figure thing let me do all of this and like it's to me very much like people just got money without resolving the issues that they have internally and all that kind of stuff so with the chris brown and diddy thing definitely think it was a probably a fetish like let me be your father let me do all of this and let me try and save you you know diddy is a person who loves to save people you know so the whole moving in thing in that context he, he, i think diddy will save them but will throw them into fire at the same breath this is what i'm saying like if it, if it, he's where the money is he's and let's let's not forget chris brown was at the height of his career when all this shit happened like he was very much at a huge position in his career yeah um young enough to have that audience mm. the the positive face the brand partnerships the early brand partnerships the award wins all of that the just the iconic status almost um and it was like yo we need to get money from this we need to save him and that that's probably what it was the protection of brand over rihanna you know even though rihanna went on to do a thing and still win and it, become one of the biggest it, faces ever. But it was about saving a man. Let's be real. It didn't really make a lot of sense though, because Diddy was like, Diddy was kind of cool with Jay-Z in a way. And Rihanna was Jay-Z's like prized possession for a while. And then obviously when the Chris Brown thing happened, Chris Brown moved in with Diddy. And I was just like, the optics just don't make sense. Well, like really. I said, and also like, but also guys, like if, if I was the most diabolical guy in the world, yeah, if I was like, say, on R. Kelly levels, for example, and wanted to move mad like that, why would you move them into your house? Like, isn't that the most obvious thing in the world? Like, I, I, like, I'm, I genuinely just want to understand the thinking because for me, as a 25-year-old man, if I had my own place, I would not move an 18-year-old or a 16-year-old girl into my place. That would never, ever, ever happen in any lifetime or reincarnation. I just don't understand the thinking behind it. But we'll see what happens. But yeah, a lot of it is speculation. Um, But Quen calling him her LA dad worries me. That is a very... So they're obviously close. It's getting weird. But LA dad... That's That's what I mean. They're obviously close. It's getting weird. It's a very weird (laughs) statement. But yeah, we've yeah. Let's move on to the next topic. Yeah, um, the next topic is the BET Awards. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, how are we gonna do this? Normal format, like who won and stuff. Should we just or... do the like the most obvious ones, like not go through all of them? Yeah. So okay, I will highlight International Flow, which Stormzy won. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. we'll do yeah, we'll do that. Um, <laughs> Megan won. Megan won Hustler. Um, uh, should I do a DJ D nice one DJ, which you know, obviously you've seen him on Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Travis Scott. I would like to discuss why Chris Brown and Young Thug won Best Duo Group. I would like to discuss that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not finished. I'm not, we're going to go through it, all, but we can we can definitely discuss that. I was like, we can who? definitely discuss that. Let, let me won just what? let me just highlight. Let me just highlight some wins first, some other ones. 
Um, Travis Scott, best live performer. Um, yeah, interested. Um, Savage remix, uh, featured verse, so best featured verse with Beyonce, obviously here as well. Um, hip hop visual, life is good, Drake and Future. I'm not mad at that. That was a good video. No, I'm not either. Um, Hit Boy, producer of the year. Well deserved. Yeah, I love Hit Boy. I actually love Hit Boy. Like he finds the balance of old and new quite well. Like I, I really like the productions um that he crafts. So well done to Hit Boy. And across genres too, it's not discussed enough. He's a hundred. Like yes, like Hit Boy is very experimental as well. Like and I think he's only nurtured that as he's grown as a producer. If that makes sense. Mm. Um. Okay, we were just speaking about him. Joe Budden podcast, hip hop platform. Um, not shocking. Is that a new award, by the way? I, I feel like did the bre- I feel like it's new in the last couple of years, but I do feel like the Breakfast Club might have won it a year ago or something. But it's I, I know it's a new. I know it's new. Um, the late Pop Smoke, best hip uh new hip hop artist. Um, what <laughs> I didn't know this video director. Tiana Taylor. Um, I don't know why she was nominated, let alone one, because you're an R&B singer. Interesting. But... No, I know she self-directs a lot of visuals and stuff, but... um. But hip-hop awards. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe because she sampled a couple of hip-hop <laughs> tracks, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And also, her videos are... Oh, They're not great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say Sorry. I'll say deficient of funds. <laughs> Sorry. That's not always a um, bad thing, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the potential's there. Funding. No, it's not. But, but, mm, final product. She's trying to do too much. She's influenced by too much. Yeah. But um, But how you won it was a great video. Yeah, it was. It actually was. It was, it was. Um, The rest, I don't know. That Brianna. Oh my gosh. Yo, 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 yo. I think, I think the, no, actually, forget it, forget it, forget it. We're not going to be misogynistic. Best album. (laughs) Best (laughs) album. (laughs) Best album, um, Roddy Rich. Please excuse me for being antisocial. I actually like this album, but um, yeah, and it, it it did it did what it had to do this year um, statistically. Um, this one caused controversy and misogyny, which I was just Uh-oh. speaking about, um, and it's still causing it to this day. Yes, the Shade Room. You had a part to do in this as well. Um, best artist, Megan The Stallion. Um, that caused a lot of controversy. Which I didn't get. I was like, she's had a great year. So yes. why wouldn't she win? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think I think people are looking at album sales for the baby, that's why. And charts with little little baby was it little baby? Or like little baby chart wise and stuff. But Megan's had two number one yep. singles. Yeah, I think they were saying besides that, she hasn't done much this besides year. And I was just that. like, yo, okay, like, okay, okay. I'm gonna let you have it. No, I'm not gonna let you have it, but you know. I was like the baby or Megan. That's who should win. She was definitely a front rather than runner for me culturally. Like she's done a lot this year as well. Like you know, she's been yeah. omnipresent. So I wasn't surprised. I was like, okay, yeah, of course Megan won. Yeah, but I just saw a bunch of people like, why would Megan be like? Why wouldn't yeah. she win? I think, I think, I think, <laughs> like, like, I think both people are worthy of the award. Like I think the baby is a worthy candidate for the award. But in terms of people, I've been seeing much more. It's definitely been Megan The Stallion. Her music has had a lot more impact. Like you said, two number ones. Um, personally, I don't like her music, but I do like her personality and I like the things that she stands for as well. 
Um, and also just looking at her yeah. socials, a lot more people talk about her more. Like she's had an incredible year. So, but the baby's done very well too. He had a number exactly. one single. He's had a number yeah. one album. He's done. The baby's well. doing quite well. Like, like music, yeah, like the baby's done quite well as well. Like I think I think all are worthy. Like, but the misogyny just came out to play. I don't know why Drake was in this category. But I don't know yeah, what he's done the last like year. I don't yeah. know why Drake was. Yeah, here. they just put Drake. They just put Drake, Drake was just to like be Drake. Like they just put it there. It's just like throwing Beyonce in there. Obviously, yeah. put her in there. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just yeah, just dash her and dash him in. Just to fill, just to fill it yeah. up, you know. So Jubo will group um Chris Brown and Young Thug. Um, Who? Yeah, <laughs> they released a joint mixtape. I believe. Um, yeah, guys, Chris Brown is smart. I don't care what anyone says. Chris Brown's Chris. I'm Brown sorry, is smart. but he knows what he's doing. I'm sorry, but he said best duo group. I saw Chris Brown. I'm like Chris Brown. What? <laughs> I I was like, what? Did, what? And it was no. <laughs> If it was fan of a fan, would you say anything? Yes, because that album was that mixtape. No, was but trash. like I think they're a duo as well. I think they kind of position themselves as a duo. What's their duo? Fan name? of a fan, Chris Brown and Young Thug. No, what, the Young Thug one. No, I'm saying like if it was fan of a fan, if it was Tiger and Chris Brown who won that award, would you be questioning it? Okay. Maybe not back then. That, we're not 2015. That makes that made more sense back then, though. It did the affiliation. They but, helped each well. Yeah, they helped yeah, each other out. That was, you know, Chris Brown and Tiger was definitely a yeah. thing. A hundred, a hundred, consistently. Like that was definitely a thing. Terrible music for most of it, but it was definitely mm. a thing. Um, but I was like, Young Thug, and I'm like, when did this happen? They did release a tape, though. They did. No, no, I mean, I know, but I, 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 I didn't see enough for them to be nominated, let alone. Do you know win. what? BET just dashed it in. They were just like, do you know what? Dash <laughs> it in. Chrissy, you need another award. You know, it's time. Young Fug gets, get, Young oh, Fug gets so many awards, but like, Chris Brown, let's just give him something. Jazz up his career. Slime and B. Slime. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Debuted at number 24 on the Billboard 200. Okay. Top 30. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. There's no top that in Lila. I see only one. I see only only five out of ten from Pitchfork, <laughs> which isn't terrible. I'm sorry. It I didn't was... have the impact. It BT. didn't have the impact. Some of the awards, BT. as we said last year, they just need to scrap some of them, you know. And that best international, whatever, what Stormzy won again, made the the mix up in that cat. Like, what are we see, doing? I, I'm glad what you mentioned that. What are we doing? Because I'm sorry, we're actually at a point now where there's enough UK artists to get their own award at this. So, but but this have show. international appeal. Who who else would you say? No, but not no, but there are some who are starting to like build a bit of buzz over there yeah. now. Like Miss Banks is building a buzz in America. Now. Storms is building. Yeah, Miss. Not loads, but she's got she's got some buzz. Like, now she walked up for a reason. I would have so, said Stefan hey. Don most and um. Oh Bree, no, Stefan Don't believe it. Oh, yeah, but I was going to say Bree's not hip hop though. She doesn't associate herself like that. Like she, she, she wants to be considered a but pop. But Stefan Don't believe yeah, her. In terms of profile, Savage yeah. cosplay in 2017. <laughs> Listen, uh, I slaps, actually so that actually liked that's that song. Savage song. I, I liked care. that song. It's Tiwa Savage though. song. But come on, I like that song. I don't know who. It is a good song, but I'm sorry. you know it's one of her best releases to date. No, no, it's a good song, but I don't believe it's her. I believe she's lip singing to Tiwa Savage's vocals because you cannot tell me that's not Tiwa Savage song. That is not a Steph London song. Burner Burner Boy definitely wrote it though. Steph London is doing Jennifer Lopez and Ashanti. Sorry, that is (laughs) Tiwa Savage's vocals. I don't think right. there's that many artists in the UK though that 
like Americans know of like that. I, I can't like currently. I can only think of Stormzy. Maybe Dave. Like they know of Dave. They know of Dave. They know of Dave. Right. They know of Little Sims. They they there's Little, yeah. Little oh, Sims. Little Sims should yeah, be yeah, yeah. Little Sims yeah. someone else. Yeah, they know. They know. Shout out to Nasty C. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my client. You know, shout out to him. Oh, shopping. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I think that yeah, whatever. Like they just need to get rid rid of that award as a whole and like make it more accurate to the regions to which they're representing. I don't know, but um, is there anything to discuss? I don't know performances. I don't really. Um... What I was gonna say was, um, I, I actually did watch some of the ciphers. Shout out to Chica. Oh yeah, she had yeah, a great, yeah. a, a great one. Uh, who else did I enjoy? Uh, I enjoyed Rhapsodies. I enjoyed Deontay Hitchcock. So did I. One. Love Deontay. He's someone I need to do my research on. I liked him a lot. Um, what else happened? Um, Brandy, I love you, but no more rapping. Like, please. That right. can I just no. can I? I have a Brand hot take. New, we need to leave. I have that a low. hot take. I think that whole R and B thing was awkward to me like it just felt Erica killed but it just though. felt really awkward like I was just kind of like why like it just kind of did like it felt like very like let's just co-silent these this R&B thing now I don't know it felt like more of a PR it's corona everyone's minds are doing yeah it just so the idea I mean it just... wasn't it wasn't in terms of execution I'm not mad at it but in terms of conceptually I'm like why like I get it but, but like did you why? But did you enjoy the verses? Other than um, Brandy tried, so we'll, we'll give some effort that. And do you know what? She's promoting an album. We love the era extension. We love that. But I think that yeah, like I think the rest of the additions were great. I think her simple, simple Erica verse, but it. she she killed it. You know her, but Erica, yeah, obviously Erica. Like we could we could get a rap. We could get a rap album from her. It would be great. But um, yeah, I think. Tiana, Tiana was cool. Like Tiana's always got the swag for hip hop. She's she's fine. She's very much fits in both worlds. Um, yeah, it wasn't bad executionally. Like it wasn't criminal. Do you know what I mean? I didn't sit there and go, "Oh my god, this is so cringeworthy." But I was just like, "But no, Brandy." It just felt you know, conceptually. <laughs> I think Brandy's Brandy right now is just socially awkward. Like I don't know. It's like kind of no, like it's not. It's not even to do with that. It's nothing to do. It's just like whenever Brandy raps, I get whiplash. I just. I, I just brand new. We need to, like Brandy, yeah. And you all know, everyone knows. I am the biggest Brandy fan. I love her to death with all my heart and soul. Yeah. But please stop rapping. Please <laughs> okay. stop rapping. Okay. Like, not only was the verse just not good, you came on the wrong beat. You, you were off. <laughs> you were just, were just, we... The whole thing. All right, kicked off. And then the lyrics and some of the punchlines was like, no. It's the no, execution. No. It was just, the execution of it. Just seeing the chorus. Let let Tiana her and. And Erica, Erica do their thing. Erica, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. Erica's been rapping anyway. Like, like if you're an Erica fan, like we all know she can rap. Like, shout out to sometimes Woo, yeah, there's various songs yeah. across her albums where she's rapping. Yeah, like Erica can rap. Like, you know, I would be, I wouldn't mind an Erica, an Erica mixtape. In know? terms of like, she can do very much. Like, she reminds me of what Chica does right now in terms of like spoken word and rapping. Like, she she definitely fits in those poetic universes. You know, but um. Yeah, that's it for me. Um, but you know, Deontay Hitchcock and oh, Flo Millie was. I great. loved Flo. Buddy was great. Buddy was great. Um, you know, I enjoyed some of the ciphers, but my favorites were definitely uh, uh, Deontay and Chica. Yeah, I loved. Do you know what I love, Chica? And like, 
doing this piece right now, like um, Flo and her are from the same place, like in terms of Alabama. So it's just cool to see the differences in what they're offering to the table. It's so, oh, women in rap, like my, my, my cornerstone right now. I love what I love what they're doing. Um, should I name the one that Shimvi named? Um, I did watch Malata's performance. Um, I feel like she. Oh, I didn't watch. I feel her. like you know she the the set is getting better. Like um, the budget's definitely there. Her and Flo are signed to the same label, RCA. Um, I definitely think that you know she's they're both ascending in their respective in their respective lanes. But yeah, that that's about it for me in terms of like what I of what I watched and saw. But all of the cosigns you said, Deontay. Chica, Erica were were mainstays in me watching, like in terms of what I saw. Big Sean's performance was boring. You watched that. What what did he perform? He performed with body language with Tadola San Janeiro. I just mm. And I actually liked the song, but the performance was just Okay. Okay. Alright. Interesting. Interesting. Oh City Girls, I liked their performance. Oh shit, yes. Sean Bankhead um choreography. Choreographed that, sorry, and he designed the set and everything. So that's that's cool. Terrible outfits, but I loved the performance. <laughs> what awful outfits? But I, I like JT's. I, I like JT's. Um, I don't know. Actually, yeah. See, that's true. The young Miami agenda c- continues. Her outfit oh, was <laughs> her outfit was not the one. But the but the performance was good. Oh uh, no! Do you know what? Um, whenever I think of them, yeah, we, we, like all I think is of Doja Cat when she's like, "In it's fan, it's free." Like, oh, it's just so <laughs> funny. Like, whenever I list, like that has been stuck on my head all week. Like, it's so funny, and like, I wonder why Doja wasn't p- performing. But I guess she doesn't like black people allegedly. So. <sighs> but I like. Do you know what I love City Girls offering right now? Like, I do think they're getting better like as time goes on in terms of what's going on with them um i think there's so much offering there's so much going on in that space right now so it'll be interesting to see how their next era if they stick with sean bankhead performance wise evolves um because i know i made the point that like jack all night is with meg right now very much creatively in-house with her it looks like and he did Cardi B's WAP visual, like the dancing in there. So it's it's cool. It's cool to see these dancers really link up with the girls and like see see what's going on with their performances. So yeah, only bigger and better um, for them. Um, any other standout performances? Um, no, that was it for me. Eden? I didn't watch the show. I don't watch award shows anymore, guys. I'm going to keep it 100. Like, I just don't think they're necessary. And I just, yeah, it's not for me anymore. Um, I'll probably watch like some of the ciphers again but other than that i only look forward to ciphers to be honest in all award shows it's only the ciphers in like the bet awards that i look for that's yeah. that's it no one else i really check for so i'm glad you guys enjoyed it but for me award shows are kind of pointless now i think it's very obvious that a lot of them are paid for and mm. i just yeah so i don't watch them like formally like we're not staying up till two of them it's not that oh, anymore no. what, what i do is like I the clips yeah the clips just come up on my feed on twitter like and especially with them allowing longer video limits now so i just literally go to the bc account when the award show's done like in the morning and just see what i want to see right and then that's it but i get you eden as well like in terms of people and stuff like i'm not really invested like that as much as as i was in the last couple of years um but it's yeah, interesting to see performances like for me yeah. and like our ciphers yeah i literally just laugh because chris brown and young thug for best collaboration slash group doesn't make any <sighs> sense and i don't like when things don't make sense so um yeah that's me 
But let's go on to the next topic because we got one more after the topics as well. Yeah, so um, I think... No, we're here, we're here. We're, we're, at, we're at this last topic. So I'm going to let Shope take the lead here. Um, so Ethan brought um, this publication up earlier, but the same publication, the editor actually DM'd me earlier this week. I'm not going to say her name, but she knows who she is. But without further ado, <laughs> they, they sent us sent a lovely message about how much they enjoy the show. So thank you to you. And she brought up an interesting uh, topic that, which she suggested we should talk about was obviously on Black Twitter, there was the topic about the ick and what people find the ick about when they're dating people. Mm. And she wanted to know who, what artists have we had the ick for? And she actually put Charles the Rapper as her What does the ick mean? Like, is it just like, I know it's annoyance, but like, is there a further definition or is it just... I think, I think it means like, so you're really into someone... And then they do something and you just turn off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Just making sense before I pick. So she put Charles the Rapper, which is, you know, that's a fair That one. is a full spit, man. That ain't, a, that ain't an ick. Like, that's just something that's wow. completely thrown. Wow. Like, his music is terrible. Wow. I just don't like his music. It's awful. And also, he is annoying. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Check out Clown, clown Vibes. Yeah. Said we spoke about him on. Annoying. Yeah, it's getting weird he with him. Annoying. It's getting weird. Um, very weird with him. His stunts as a bit. So I think we can all agree that we got the ick from Chance the Rapper. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. I think we all got the ick from him. Yeah. Um. For but on a separate on a separate note, for me, Chris Brown. So I yep, used to be a massive same. Chris Brown fan, and then he started releasing twenty-five song long albums, and then he started to move very erratic and mu- like wild, and he just didn't seem to evolve. Like I got excited about Fine um, Fine China. What's it? Is it called Fine China? Yeah, yeah Fine China. It's called Fine China. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, Chris Brown's finally going back into like his. He's kind of like R&B, on the verge of R&B kind of um, bag. And then... No, that, that album showed some growth. That, that was the X album. There was some growth on that album. It was everything afterwards yeah. that yeah. was atrocious. Like, I, X had some growth. I, that album mm. was... That was his last great album. Yeah. I feel like he did invest into his sound. Because obviously that's the album he had the Aaliyah um, feature on as well. But yes. it's just like... Like Autumn Leaves, great song. I love, I oh. love that song. I love Perfect. that song. But Lost in Your Love. Yeah. Mm. I hate obviously New Flame. I hate when artists have a direction and then um suddenly they just start going haywire. And that's what happened with Chris Brown. Like it happened towards fame slash um fortune era. Fortune more so. I liked fame, but fortune was just like EDM. And then he kind of continued down that EDM kind of route. And although some songs it worked um and like it chart wise some of them worked as well like please don't judge me wasn't the right song and stuff like that but i don't like when artists seem like they're moving quite erratic it just seems like it doesn't make sense and chris brown's one of those artists um who else is someone else that's kind of fallen off like that um i can't really think off the top of my head i have another ick but chris brown was the first one that came to mind this is really hard to think about like i think chris brown definitely i'll I'll, I'll co-sign you guys on that um, it just got really annoying to me to see him just kind of lose his artistry, like for me. And it it's disappointing. It's disappointing. But I've divested. I've divested. It's fine. Like, do you know, what? I've, I've accepted it. Mm. We're good. We're good. Um, I'm going to say the ick. Like, do I feel strongly about anyone like that who's got the ick? I would say, do you know what? A miniature ick for me. Ick, miniature ick. Um, still very important topic, but um, 
Yeah, we'll bring up my fave, J. Cole. We'll bring him up. Um, J. Really? Cole, in terms of... No, no, no. Do you know what it is? It's just where he gets into... It's not a full ick. I'm going to say it's like a core of an ick. Um, where he... That's interesting. Gets, he gets into his bag where he's just very... The KOD era started it. Well, not started it for me, but uh, heightened it. Where he just gets very much into um, his bag of woe is me, it's in my head, like, let me just talk about how I feel and not care about the problematic isms that I perpetuate. Um, so I feel like he shamed drug drug users a little bit on that album in some places. Um, a new school hip hop, but then he learned, so the ick is miniaturized, but it was just that kind of tone. I don't want you to ever face into that. And then the whole like no name thing, I was like, bro, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you releasing this track? Like, why are you telling women to educate you? Like, bro, like, you're the guy who says you do the reading, you're the guy who says you've been to university, you're the guy who mm-hmm. says you're in the, well, you're on the street, you are literally there protesting, I see you at every protest, so, like, you're there, you're active, you know, you want to do all of this, but take a step further, I mean, we've got a Vic Mensa who started his own Save Money, Save Live organisation and actually dedicates himself to reading books, which you'll see soon, but, like, with mm. J. Cole, it's like, bro, like, why are you releasing a whole song telling no name to educate you? Essentially, like, I don't like that. And like the rampant use of misogyny is just gonna getting me to the point. And homophobia. Yeah, it's getting me to the yeah hundred. It's getting me to the point where I'm like, bro, like it's not. The thing is, I'm still gonna try and listen to his next project. Like I will still do that. And like there, there are undeniable J Cole classics in my vault personally. Um, but it's just. This woe is me whenever you're critiqued. Like, I don't want you to become Drake, like, in terms of doing all of that. Like, I don't <laughs> want you to do that. Like, you're smarter than that. You know better. And you do know better because you call out the fact that you've been misogynistic before. So you know what you're doing. Um, The homophobia, maybe we need to address that a bit. To be honest, he, I think he did in, a, in an interview. I, I don't want to highlight this, but I think he did speak about it on The Breakfast Club when it did come to light with um, Born Sinner. But, um, yeah, I do... If you know all this stuff, if you acknowledge all this stuff, let's just change. Because I, I wanna, I wanna unapologetically stab you, but I can't because you're problematic. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it's not the full ick at all because I haven't divested from him. Um, I'll be very public right. in that. But um, yeah, it's that I've got Kanye one. West is one. You know, for obvious reasons, I really don't think I have to go into that. <laughs> like, I think there's enough for anyone from whatever lens you're coming from to really say but he's he's really just spat in my face at this point um yeah well ice cube you're nearly there you're nearly, <laughs> you're, nearly you're nearly there for me but so many great albums but it's like why would you go to trump like why but yeah okay <sighs> go on let's go Shopping. let's go Shopping. the weekend oh shit why the weekend i just feel he the quality of his music has just gone down the drain since we knew what he looked like since he stopped doing cocaine (laughs) since he stopped doing cocaine and and stopped yeah like I when The Weeknd came out back when people thought they were a group this is is how I'm dead yeah they were like who's The Weeknd like (laughs) (laughs) I remember that so like I when I tell you I was obsessed with House of Balloons and Thursday and Echoes of Silence like The Weeknd was my guy and i'll forever forever give him his flowers like i've said it a thousand times 
he is the forefather of alternative R&B alongside Miguel, Frank Ocean, Jenny Aiko. The weekend is like very important. He and he is one of the most influential artists for the last ten 100%. years. He definitely 100%. is. But around like Kissland and what's the other one? Be behind the lines. Like, Starboy. Like, mm, that, oh, that was the beginning of the end for me. Starboy. I was like, okay, yeah, I've lost you now. I've just I just don't know who you are anymore. And then this new album. But then he kind of got me back. Do not mess with, my with it. Do not mess with the album, um, the new one. I don't think it's his best work, but I I see it like kind of for him. No, the, no, no. I'll say this. there are certain songs on there for sure. Yeah, certain songs yeah. on there. But I think for me, so my dear melancholy, he brought me back because I was like, okay, I get, I get, I get it, I get it. I'm not saying that he has to go back to his old sound for me to like him again. Like all eyes should be able to grow, but it just seems like it's just such a such a a change from what we knew you of, and it just seems so shameless. <clears throat> <laughs> it doesn't seem like a genuine evolution. It just seems like this is I know what's gonna sell a new this this and that, and it's just, <laughs> frankly just not good mm, in my yeah. opinion. Like, like there are gems on Starboy, there are gems on Be Behind the Madness, there are gems on this new album. But just generally, I just feel like the consistency and the vision and the direction that he had, like he really had, like he really had his own world. I felt back in the day, like he had his own world. Yeah. And I just feel that it's just really sorely lacking today. And he's just now someone that when I hear his name, I just, I don't care. I'm just like, okay, mm. all right. I do think all he's right. lost and... some of his old audience, like yourself. Like there's definitely that that distinction in his fan great group or audiences as it's evolved. But I think- There's definitely a, a pre-signing and after-signing weekend fan. Yeah. And I think- There's definitely a division there. With him, I do feel like he, or like reading some of his interviews, I do feel like he actually does want to experiment in some of the pockets that he's he's dabbled into, especially on the new album. Maybe if Starboy is the the crossover commercial mess that that some people call it, but I do think this album specifically leans into a sound that he's genuinely had an interest in, um, especially because he's so interested in like pioneers of that time and like obviously the Michael Jackson influence is there in some places. So I do think he wanted to explore pop from maybe that that era and where it, where it came from, and um, obviously drugs were huge in that era as well, which he's we we know you know he's dabbled in. And he loves um, you know he likes to snore and inject we know so aesthetically it would make sense for an ideation board for him to go to that 80 80 synth wave synth pop kind of era it would make sense to kind of think oh he would be interested in that rather than it being a marketing ploy completely but i do get what you're saying in terms of like the sound to someone who to someone who is an early listener of him would kind of grapple with like be like why is he evolving here 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 and why is he not at least to some extent creating a bridge from where he started and like yes, integrating thank that you. to like that's... where he's exploring next do you know what i mean there we go there we go and that's why other journalists that's exactly it i just feel like it was so drastic yeah it didn't feel natural it was chaotic it didn't, it didn't feel seamless it just seemed like one day you're doing this and suddenly you're here. yeah it does yeah yeah, and there was no bridge at all, which is why, like, and I actually do think so. My demonically was like a nice bridge. It was. Like, it kind of. So it was. It was. Yeah, because it kind of was like emblematic of his earlier sound, but I can kind of see it. Okay, but I can see you moving down a bit more into more of the electro spaces, the pop mm, spaces. Mm. I, but I could work with it. That was more. 
that was more of a bridge. But Kissland, Starboy, and this new one, just, just like, who the hell are you? <laughs> like, yeah. Abel, it, what is this? It was too drastic. He didn't take people on the journey with him. Um, if it was Thank authentic, you. um, because I do like he he has this whole world where he's inspired by filmography and all of that, like which he speaks about in some interviews too. And I do think that's inspired some of the visuals for this era as well, like a hundred and ten percent. So I do think there's that part of his brain where where it just leaps into different universes, and then he's like. There's, there's the synergy part. Maybe, like, I said this with Heidi at school when we were talking about him weeks ago, but I think there needs to be someone there to help just refine what the ideas are and make it exist in brands mm-hmm. the weekend, brand Abel, you know? Um, I do, Yeah, I do think you're right in terms of it's been so bipolar in terms of um, his, his sonic evolution, um, whereas it doesn't feel kind of like a storyboard or an arc. In, in his in his yeah. trajectory I, I completely get why a fan would feel yeah. feel a bit disillusioned looking at all his projects yeah. together side by side like ugh, where do we go today just, you know yeah i just kind of feel that and i'm not saying this to be the old man the prescriptive man in the club i'm not saying no that don't I'm say that, that. Like i said no. i'm not saying that my artist shouldn't grow like i love when my artists experiment with different genres even even if i even if i don't so like it, i can respect it you know yeah one but of your faves is just... christina aguilera she's the experimental girl exactly like, you know what I mean? like exactly. every single sound she's tried to touch you know and using her as an example i feel like between her albums there's like it makes sense there's a bridge between strips to back to basics yeah. to, to bionic to Lotus, which was terrible but to liberation <laughs> like yeah they were like, I, I, oh, okay, it makes sense. It was like, okay, one, two, three, four, five. Whereas, like, it was like the weekend went to like one, two, seventy-five thousand. Like, huh? What? Yeah. What to number, it just went all over the place. And like, and also that I can't enjoy it. Like, I do like, you know, can't feel my face, and I do like um, blinding lights. I do like them, but it's just, you know, mm-mm. and the thing is, like, because I I can see the new wave influences, the dream pop influences. Like, you know, I can see like the blondie, and I can kind of see like these really like Eurythmics, like, you know, these really, yeah, uh, like Pet Shop Boys, I can see yes. it. I'm like, yeah. I feel like he's not channeling them the right way. <laughs> but I also, I do you know what? This album made me realise that I really do see The weekend in an electronic universe. Like, I do see it, like, and I love it. And I would love to, I'd love for him to get the full offering all the way there because there are parts of that, that new album that really draw me in. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel like he's trying just to get Hot 100 success, even though he's been super successful, but it just feels like genuine authentic love for the sound and exploration there i just think that he needs to again as i was said before just take people with him and make make mm-hmm. both worlds exist simultaneously because he's a, he's at best when he's in that dark and moody space but then i see the elements of the future with the electronic influence so just making those two universes really collide um and again this is why we need someone in the building to really just hone them in together and get the mix and perfect combination of both you know um mm-hmm. an artist who doesn't get the mainstream success but who's great at mixing loads of worlds is Tanache. she's great when she gets it yes. right it, it fits and it really melds to well together and it's artistic it, it really works in her favor do you know what i mean um but again with the weekend i think there's still like you said some ways to go with that even though i enjoyed this project listening to this conversation the journey is a mismatch thinking about all albums now i'm like there's not a story here there's not Mm -mm. there's not 
an mm-hmm. era. There's not a, this is the most era he's probably had in terms of the full spectrum, but it doesn't make sense in his canon to where he's yes. been. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 100%. I completely agree with you. I completely so, agree with you. And I thank you for saying that bridge. That's, that's the key word with him. There was no bridge yeah. at all. hundred. It just went, because even going back to his early stuff, I think you both can agree. Even even comparing like Echoes of Silence to his first two mixtapes, that even then back then that was quite mm. different for what he was doing. But it was like it was like a a natural progression. It's like oh, okay, it's slightly different, but yeah, I can go with you there. Yeah, if yeah, then, it felt like a step up, but still, yeah, yeah. But then he just went off the rails after that. <laughs> All right, let me talk about one more ick, and then I don't know if anyone Drake. else. Drake, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, are we Drake mentioning is... Drake? No, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I actually no. have one. I actually have one. So my ick is is less so about people, but it's more about the action that they do. So I have an ick of when an artist comes and they start acting like they're suddenly woke, and the people like I can think of is Meek Mill and also the game. <gasps> Like uh, those two people, when they suddenly act like they're starting why to read all these influential books, and now they know about politics mm. and all those types Oof. of things. LeBron James. I I just always like question their music, and especially like Meek Mill. I don't care what he releases. I genuinely have no interest in Meek Mill the arts anymore. I just find him hilarious as a person. Um, Ti, let's not forget Ti. Oh, and Ti, and oh, and he released an album, and he's doing everything he can in terms of controversy to promote it now. Because I heard that no just one is learned... out. Ti just learned what a thesaurus was. <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel like he's known what a thesaurus is, but he's just he's on his like um he's on his what's his name Farrakhan shit right now. Like he's on his big Farrakhan, and I'm like, bro, the nation of Atlanta, like your wife, <laughs> what, the misogyny in your relationship, the misogyny towards your daughter, the misogynoir. Like what what are we doing there? Do you, you know, know I was thinking about that situation, and it's actually still so wild to me in my head. Like that it's is very... such a wild thing to do. I don't think people deep how crazy that is. Like Cheap going to the patriarchy. gynecologist to check. Nah, sorry. That's wild. That's very wild. That's Cheap very, very that's, that's a good one, Eden. Yeah. Meek Mill is just, Meek Mill's he's just funny to me. He's hilarious, man. He's hilarious. But T.I. is my number one. He's just like, every time he speaks now, I just like, like even like, Nick, did you see it? Like when Rhapsody Run bears lyricist or something, T.I. was just chatting shit. <laughs> so <laughs> much shit. Did you see? just so cringy. Did you see his um his video about what how to get rid of coronavirus? Mm. Yes, I did. Wait, what? He said you have to drink tea when you get the coronavirus in your throat, so it runs down into your stomach, and the stomach acid kills the coronavirus. And I was no, guys, 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 guys. What's what's going on? Because what no what like like. Is there no doctors in Atlanta? What's going on? Because all I'm seeing is no masks in the club, T.I., your birthday included. And now you're telling me that this is the advice you do post-club night? You you drink tea in the morning, so it goes down to your... Bro, like, (laughs) even even Donald Trump knew when it was time to go to the doctor and, like, stay at the doctor's for, like, however long it was. What allegedly... You know, at least he knew the performance of going to a doctor's surgery. Like, what are you talking about, tea? Like, huh? <laughs> yo, I'm baffed. I'm, I'm <laughs> it's gone left and right for me right now. I'm a bit confused. But, yeah, like, the stupidity in Atlanta right now is, is wild to me. Honestly. All right. So, I think we can call that the episode for today. Um, I know in, like, half an hour we've got an announcement from 
um, Downing Street and stuff. And I want to get away from Twitter before people start talking about that. But oh my gosh, um, yeah. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to the episode and everything. Like I said, we are on episode. Wait, te- wait. Before you do that, I also just want to say, um, I want to send my deepest condolences to the family of Rance Allen, yeah. a gospel music legend. He passed away today or yesterday. It's been announced today. Yeah, it's oh. announced today. Um, one of the most dynamic and most unique voices in the world of gospel. Like he was really pivotal in really bringing the sounds of like psychedelic rock and funk into black gospel music in the seventies and the eighties. Mm-hmm. And he's just always just a monster, a monster vocalist, a monster vocalist. So I just want to say shout out to uh, not shout out. I say my condolences to his family and his friends. And it's a, a massive, massive loss for the gospel music community. I love that man. So but um yeah, so rest in peace to Bishop Rance Allen. Rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace. I didn't even know about that. So yeah, it happened just before the show. Like that's when uh, I saw it, yeah. like the announcement. Oh wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening to the episode. Um, like always, if you could tweet us, that's pod. Use the hashtag whilst listening to the episode and everything. Our socials are the same: D A T S P O D. Instagram, Twitter, Vero. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all streaming platforms. You already know the deal and everything. And yeah, episode 10 of season five, we have 14 episodes. So we are coming to the end. I want to prepare you for that. Um, But we've had a great episode, great season so far. Sorry. Um, And that is it for today, guys. Thank you. Peace.